Welcome to Sea Time, everybody, the off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. I'm typing in the chat room, Steven. I said, don't go live yet. I'm just kidding. Welcome to episode 98, everybody. You like what I did there? It was like, oh my God, Brian's screwing up again. Not this time, folks. So I would like to say episode 98 has so far started off extremely, extremely well. We actually got hooked up with Mr. Jedediah Haynes, who is our first guest this evening, beforehand, which is fantastic when that happens. Steven... I'm not even talking. All right. So episode 98 was off to a great start, and then I forgot my microphone. So apparently, yes! Ah, at least we could put that in the books. It, was, it wasn't really a technical difficulty. It was a host, a, a host something. I don't know. Um, one day, it's, I swear I'm going to get it together, people. I promise. The good thing is, is that we have fantastic people that sponsor this show, and we have fantastic writers like Jedediah Haynes and Scott uh, was a Broman, and then we're going to have Kirk Caselli on later. Fantastic people that put up with us that love to talk about dirt bikes and what's going on in their lives. So some of the people we do have to say thank you to, of course, is Fly Racing. So Fly Racing, ah, oh, fantastic moto gear. They make everybody look good. They even find a way to meet to make me look good, and I think that that says a lot. So if you're one of those guys who's like, man, if nothing else, I want to look good as I hit the ground, third gear wide open, and just head digging into the dirt, make sure you go check out flyracing.com. You can go to any of your local stores to purchase some of their, their goods and make that stuff kind of happen. And then, of course, uh, Powersport Graphics. So ridepg.com. You can go check them out. We have a fantastic discount code to save you some Skrilla. You can put it in. It is seat time. Most people get that on a daily basis, especially if you ride dirt bikes. You don't have to worry about it too much. It's spelled just the way it sounds. Seat time. So ridepg.com, check them out if you want to get any kind of graphics, stickers, or other fun things that happen to do with art, making stuff look cool, and being awesome, because they're the ones that want to do it for you. So please go check them out. Okay, remember, we have the chat room. It is tlk.io slash time. If you'd like to talk to any of our guests, I will translate the questions to them, because that's what I do. It is a fun, fun time. And then, uh, Stephen, oop, koozies, seattime.bigcartel.com. Go check it out. I think uh, I think that's it, right? What do you think, Stephen? You want me to talk about you? Stephen's good. Stephen's last name is... Yeah, we could Google him, and uh, we could find out all kinds of fun stuff. So, what's going on this evening? Episode 98. We're chatting with Jedediah Haynes. Now, Jedediah, I do apologize that you had to sit through my whole intro, if you will, but at the same time, you're not a, a horrible-looking individual. So, the whole time, I was actually staring at you. So, I appreciate the fact... That you're such a, a such a good looking rider, I mean, you just congratulations. Well, I'm glad. They, <laughs> I'm glad you got the table over your laps. So I don't want to see any of that. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm excited, but I'm not that excited. It is the start of the show. I've only had one. Well, okay, two two uh, adult beverages. So you know, we we start getting to the bottom of that pack. We might have an interesting conversation, but hopefully by that point, I'm on to Kirk Caselli, and it just gets weird with him. But we'll see. I don't know. But okay, so Mr. Jedediah Haynes, as I ask everyone, I have to ask you, how is your evening going, kind sir? What's that? How is your evening going, kind sir? Uh, it's going good. You know, I got off work, did a little bike work, prepped for some uh, riding tomorrow night, and ate dinner, and now I'm talking to you guys. Yes, so... 
Tuesday night as normal, except for the fact that you get to add us to the mix, which we appreciate very much. It's always nice to have a fellow rapper on the show. Actually, since this is kind of a dirt bike show, I guess we're all fellow dirt rappers. But hey, you're one of us, and we like you. We want to talk to you. We want to learn more. We know that you have been injured uh, this past year. You've been kind of recuperating from that. Uh, you were kind of trying to see if there was a possibility you could have been in uh, racing by Unadilla this past weekend, but we know that didn't work out the way it was. So, we, you know, kind of break us down for it, how, what happened for you at the Mountaineer and what you broke and how it went down. Uh, pretty much. It was actually started two weeks before Mountaineer. Okay. And, uh, uh, was it Penton? Yeah. Uh, Penton, they just started horrible. Uh, pretty much snowballed from there. Uh, I ended up getting a super bad concussion. Um, there's a YouTube video floating around of it. It's pretty gnarly. Um, I spent two weeks off the bike, you know, no practice and wasn't even training, just trying to get my head on straight. And uh, went back to Mountaineer, and I could definitely tell I was, you know, two weeks without training. My speed was there, but conditioning wasn't. Uh, we were running good, worked our way up top, I think top five. Uh, it started raining a little bit, and it was just like a fourth gear sweeper that crested a hill. and the back end started sliding, and it caught, and I did the old Mike Alessi crest in the hill Ooh. sideways, and that was all she wrote. It was end over end, and it wasn't pretty. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound pretty. So we talked a little bit about, uh, when we, before we went live, we talked a little bit about what you had injured um, during this whole uh, Mike Alessi incident, which wasn't laser gate. We can call this the asticular gate. Because apparently you <laughs> you you have rebroke your collarbone and did something to the asticular bone. I that's what you told me. I'm gonna just go with it. Yeah, uh, broke up a little bit there, but uh, re- I rebroke my collarbone from an old injury. Um, so I knew right away that was broke. Well, I didn't know it was broke, but you know I was I was hoping it was broke over being separated because that's definitely a long rehab. Okay. But uh, okay. walking off the track, I was like, man, my hip really hurts, and uh. By the time they rode me back up to the Yamaha truck, and I tried walking in the truck, and yep, there's something not right with the hip. And we went to the hospital, and first concern was the shoulder, just to know what it was. And we got uh, X-rays of the hip, and they're like, "Yep, you broke your ass tabular bone." And of course, my brother thought it was funny that I broke my ass. So <laughs> I, <laughs> you're literally like, "Who paid the doctor to say that? Who paid the yeah. doctor?" Yeah, I was like, "You're not. You're kidding me, right? That, that's the name of the bone." He's like, "Yep." He was a he was a very serious surgeon, so <laughs> he didn't find it funny. We were joking about it. Yes, and what's funny is uh, so like I said when we were talking about this a little bit about the before the show, he's like, now it's not spelled how you how it sounds. It's because I'm all searching for ass bone and ass tabular bone and all that kinds of fun stuff. It's it's ace tabular. So if anybody wanted to search it and kind of look around at some of these injuries when people have this, it's a c e t a b u l a r. And then space bone because that's how you spell bone. Um, so I think it's kind of interesting. So how's your hip now, and how how is your ass tabular bone? Uh, actually, it's doing really good. Uh, I just went to the doctor this past Thursday, and he's really happy with how it how it's healing and it's solid. And uh, I got the ride a little bit Thursday night and didn't have any problems. You know, it's, I've been bicycling a little bit here and there. And, I don't have any pro- any pains, any you know morning soreness, so I'm happy with it. The shoulder every now and then gives me fits, but it's done that for you know 15 years, so right. nothing new there. Yeah, it's it's the mornings when I wake up and my ass tabular bones sore that I'm worried would happen the night before. That's well, 
That's where it where gets you interesting. Ri- I don't, we're not going to get into that conversation. I know. <laughs> Too many mustache rides. Too many mustache rides on a Saturday night. It's okay. It happens. So um, when I, I've broken my collarbone once, but I haven't had like multiple breaks. So when you re-break your collarbone, in this case, uh, did you not have it plated before? Have you had it plated before? Um, how is how is the strength in that shoulder and in that collarbone feeling? Uh, the strength's actually really good. Uh, I'm really happy with how it's going. Um, I broke it the first time I broke it. You know, somebody plating a collarbone was unheard of. I think I was like. 11 or 12 okay you know that was 16 years ago so plating a collarbone was just unheard of um and it broke in a shape of a z when i broke it the first time so it healed all funky and uh you know i lived with it ever since and i rebroke it again in the same two spots it broke the first time so it just kind of like sheer breaked it broke it um it's half healed now like the one side's healed solid and the other side's it's stitching together but it's not, you know, a solid bone yet. So, right. But you know, I've been last night. Uh, I sh- did five truckloads of stone. You know, shoveled it in my truck for the neighbor. Took him over to his place. You know, I've been cutting up trees with the axe and trimming trails and everything I can do by hand without using power tools. I'm doing it. So it, it sounds like it sounds like you're on like the Paul Wibley workout training schedule. Like that guy isn't that kind of the crazy stuff he does. He's like, I'm gonna go Rocky Four. For this season, straight up, just go into the woods. I'm gonna like eat bark and like work out on a farm, run in the snow, like that kind of stuff. I mean, it sounds like that's what you're doing. That, that's pretty much what, how I always train. You know, I don't, I don't have a gym membership. Never did. And actually, I just, I should say, I upgraded my gym membership. I bought a sickle bar last week. You know, the old <laughs> hand power weed whacker. So yeah, I was gonna say. I don't know what that is. So I'm really glad that you just completely went in there because I was gonna be like. I have got one of those too. Yeah, it's a hand-powered weed whacker. I can pretty much go faster with that than I can a gas-powered weed whacker. A hand-powered so. weed whacker freaks me out. I mean, are you just like going? Is it like, is it like you're stirring up stuff in a pot and you're just like, <laughs> like walking with this like? What? Is, how do you? Is, you know, you're no, it's just I, totally it's confused. Much blade on the end of a handle. You know, it's you just swing it in front of you like you're uh, almost like you're golfing. But the blade's like two foot long, and you just swing at the ground, and it pretty much shears the grass right off. Is that like a scythe or scythe or like what the what uh what death would carry with him? The yeah, similar, similar. It's shorter though. Okay, so you're not death incarnate at this point. Though. No, <laughs> all right. No, I didn't realize you could buy such tools at the hardware store though. I am gonna have to yeah. say on my next uh, redneck extravaganza weekend. I think we're going to go have to get some more dangerous tools because my power tools obviously are way too unmanly and I'm going to have to step up my game. There you go. So I'm looking forward to that <laughs> for sure. Well, I, I want to know, there was a lot of talk. Again, like I say, I love to just kind of get onto the internet. I could just go to Google, search people's names, all their race results, all the stuff that's going on. There was a lot of talk in the fact of uh, back in 2002 when you kind of took over um, in the Obermeyer Obermeyer Range Racing Off-Road Viking.com team for Morgan Moss when he got hurt and had to have surgery. So kind of take us through that year and then how, you know, 2013 and some of the changes you made, obviously, up till you kind of had your accident and everything. Um, well, real, I did the uh, 2010-2011 season for Team Green in uh, XC1 class on a 450. Right. Um, and was that kind of privateer? That was your kind of privateer? That was full privateer. Full privateer, okay, yeah. Full privateer. Um, you know, I had help 
we had the Keystone off-road team in 2011. It was pretty much just a group of friends together. And, uh, you know, I was driving the team truck to and from the races. I was working on everybody's bikes, which, uh, you know, that was cool because, you know, I got to work on different bikes and help everybody out. And uh, but I mean, it was definitely full privateer. Um, so I spent all 2011, 2012 winter training the rider at 450. So, you know, I was, I was up to almost 190 pounds, you know, four hours in the workout room every day, lifting, doing, trying to do cardio, um, you know, just to try to keep up with the factory guys for at least a couple laps, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it was just kind of out of the blue. You know, I was on the computer that day i'm like oh man that sucks when I mean, you know morgan moss got hurt jason you know that's a kicking the shin for jason and his t- new team and i was like huh i wonder if they'll fill somebody in you know like they're doing a supercross and you know never i've never seen it done in off-road so i was kind of like yeah whatever you know that's cool and not even an hour later we were eating dinner dinner and my phone rang and i didn't answer it and here i went out and looked and it was jason he left me a message he's like hey give me a call back about riding yamaha I was like, no way. You know, I called him. <laughs> okay. He gave me the old details, and he's like, here's the deal. If you want it, take it. You know, if not, no hard feelings. And I was like, I'm not stupid. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take it. And I was like, as soon as I hung up the phone, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be so hungry. You know, I went from almost 190 pounds training to ride a 450. Come Florida, I was down to like 168 in like a month and a half. You know, just salads <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm cutting the weight <laughs> so but uh yeah it was kind of a race by race result kind of deal you know if i put the results in that they were looking for they were going to keep me if not you know no hard feelings we'd split ways and keep going and uh obviously the results were there and they were happy and i was happy with the bikes and finished the year out and uh Luckily, the Yamahas didn't change for any for 2013, so it was kind of just keep testing, keep going with what worked, and uh, going into the season fully prepared. You know, in like 12, 2012, I started Florida with 40 hours on a Yamaha. You know, that's <laughs> not, <laughs> not many. Guys that 400 hours on their bikes, you right. know. So, Came a long way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. And you, you know, you've had some good results and stuff like that. Looking at the, looking at all your results since kind of the 2012, 2013 uh, foray uh, on the Yamahas. You know, you had a couple uh, podium spots there too, uh, finishing in third place. Uh, so obviously, you, you, you've got the speed. You're figuring it all out. You're kind of knowing how to do it. So in two weeks, I mean, I know you wanted to try to come back for Unadilla this past weekend. That unfortunately didn't happen. Is the plan now for two weeks? Um, in Pennsylvania, which is your home state, to, to kind of try to come out? Or is it literally you're kind of still on a week-by-week basis? Um, the ultimate goal that I was telling everybody was Pennsylvania. You know, I was going to show up and do the morning race and ride my 450 in uh, preparation for the last national hair scramble in Illinois in October. Um, but right now the doctor's real concerned with the shoulder as far as racing. So uh, I think we're just going to keep, you know, doing light trail riding, just get seat time in get the hands used to, you know, the grips and the clutch and the brake again. Um, I think we're just going to, you know, stay calm, skip skip Pennsylvania and uh, hit the National in October in Illinois. Um, I got a pretty big lead in a championship. I do not have it wrapped up. So we're going to go out there and try to wrap it up, defend the championship, and then I'll hit the last two GNCCs. 
Nice. Okay, and so you guys just have the one more race for the the, the AMA East Hair Scrambles? Correct. Okay. And which and which one is that? Which event was that? Sorry. Uh, Illinois. I don't know okay. the name specifically. Illinois. And what's the terrain like up there? I mean, is it something that you think that you're just kind of – that you're very comfortable in? I've never been – I've never raced in Illinois. So okay. That's one, of the, places, New venue. one of the states out there I've never – yeah, I've never been. Um, I know it's in that same region as the – the Indiana and Kentucky tracks, um, and I really like the the limestone GNCC. The I like the Kentucky GNCC. Um, the national, the East Series used to have a national um, called the Black Coal National. Now I think it's an enduro now. Um, I like that venue. So you know, as long as it's like those, I'll be happy. But you know, the hair scrambles are a lot more low key. Not I shouldn't say low key, but I guess less hype going into them. <laughs> as a GNCC. Right. Um, so the pace isn't, you know, WFO from the drop of the flag. It's kind of a more of a, let's feel things out and then pick it up as it goes. Understood. Yeah, no, it, it, it's definitely, you could tell um, from the little bit of, you know, obviously the GNCC, sure, they get more coverage, a little bit bigger of a series and all that stuff, but you could tell from the little bit that we've seen of the, uh, the Eastern hair scrambles that it's a different format and it's kind of, it's not the same pace and everything, but it's still its own race, race series. So, you know, to be able to come out on top of that, it's going to be awesome. So good luck with that for sure. Um, what bike are you going to be riding next year? Or do you know? I don't know yet. Um, is it, uh, as people were saying in the chat room, do you think it's going to be a sexy one? (laughs) They're always sexy, you know? Nice. (laughs) Oh, somebody yeah, was saying I, I was supposed to have pole dancers this episode. Apparently, I screwed up on that one. I was like, oh, I, I can, I have a pole. I can go get it, and we can do it. That, that's all right. That's Steve, right. Steven, okay. Steven's not okay with that. <laughs> I do have to ask. I remember seeing in an ad that you actually wore, or or you were using flex bars. Is that currently something that you still ride with? Yes, I, uh, I uh, after riding Thursday with you know the not fully healed shoulder, I swear by him. Um. At first, I was a little, I'll be honest, I was a little hesitant with them. Um, but I was just kind of like, I threw them on, went out and rode, and didn't like them, didn't do much testing with them, didn't have the stuff to test with them properly. Um, so I took them off. Uh, ended up, like a month later, we were testing for Florida in the sand. And uh, I don't, there's no, there's no sand in Pennsylvania. <laughs> we got rocks. Right. <laughs> so, uh, I was testing the sand. I've always been a you know smooth sand rider, not the fastest, but not you know not. I don't look uncomfortable in the sand. Um, and you know, five minutes in, I wasn't even going hard. My hands fell asleep. Took a break. Road went out again. Five minutes in, my hands fell asleep. I'm like, man, we gotta do something different. I was I was just you know throwing darts at the wall with my eyes closed, and I was like, hey, what's the heck? We'll put the flex bars on. I run 40 minutes without stopping. No problems. No arm pump. Hands didn't fall asleep. I was like, all right, we're going to do a lot more testing with these to make sure they work and, you know, be comfortable on them. And ever since I've been, I swear by them. Georgia, I could, I was hammering all the holes and, you know, I was following Zach Osborne and Jason Thomas and they were slowing down and jumping the holes and I just hammered right through them. They're, they're great. Nice. Well, it's funny because we just, uh, we, uh, so Steven and I have been doing some testing with these guys. We got a pair of the flex bars in, and that's that's what made me ask. Again, as I said, I was kind of stalking you on the internet, trying to figure out more about you personally, and I noticed that in a couple ads you had been running these, or a couple pictures, 
And uh, so, I, you know, I had to ask, make sure that you ran them first. I don't, it, it didn't want to be completely irrelevant. But uh, at this point in time, absolutely loved them. Uh, ridden with them once <laughs> at uh, at uh, Big Sky when we were up there for the off road nationals, and uh, it was it was phenomenal. They were on Brian Elliott's bike. Um, the, the guy that uh, rode those uh, is a Supercross racer, and he actually was like, "I'm going to call him up and see if I can get a pair." Uh, so it, it's interesting because I don't I I know personally I was like flex bars. Who wants their bars to flex? It's like yeah, uh, but that's. You you get the right when you put the right elastomers in there. You don't notice that they flex. Like yeah, it's, it's more that they kind of support you than they flex. I think. Yeah. My biggest thing too is, you know, I was I always wanted the front end a little stiffer than what it should have been. So now I can run it stiffer, but it won't hurt my hands. So the bars take up that little bit of extra hit from the forks being stiffer. Right. So. And uh. It was a good one from uh, our friend uh, Don over on the West Coast in Oregon. He wants to know if your goatee grows in like that or if it's just kind of like white trashy all the time. Uh, I'm a mechanic, so I don't really have to you know, be fine pruned every day. So it's kind of I get lazy for a couple days and then I shave. And the razor I had in the shower last night was kind of dull, so that's as far as I got. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, I got here and I'm done. That's it. Yeah, I got I got to there and it was already pulling. I'm like, I'm just gonna leave the goatee going. <laughs> nice. I'm okay with it. Now, obviously, for those of you who don't know, please go watch Joe Dirt if you have not seen the movie Joe Dirt. Um, for because if you have absolutely no idea what that reference is from, please go make your life better and go watch the movie Joe Dirt. You will uh, you you will definitely if nothing else feel better about yourself as a human being. You realize yeah. that you have a step up on people in the world. It is fantastic. Um, he's, go ahead. He's the model. He's the model for people of Walmart.com. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. I just saw a picture of Walmart of the people of Walmart.com, where the lady had a. There was a video and that somebody took, and the lady had her dang catheter bag, like duct tape, oh. duct taped to her calf in the tubes, like running out the bottom of her shorts. And, like, the video is of her. She's just filling up the bag. Like, standing, oh, standing there in line. And it's like, I, dude, you got to go somewhere else. With, you can at least go stand <laughs> in the bathroom. Just because yeah. you can doesn't mean you should. That's disturbing. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> interesting. All right, so besides flex bars, we've already kind of talked about that. That's obviously a big setup part. You, you know, talked about how much it's helped out for you, but what's another thing with bike setup? We've had a lot of questions about bike setup with different guys. So if there's one thing that, that you either meticulously are, are very careful to make sure is always right or something that you were like, Oh my gosh, this is life changing. Now that I have figured this thing out was, is there anything that kind of sticks out in your mind? Um, I'm real anal about the uh, the free play and the throttle tube. Okay. <laughs> I can't have any free play in the throttle tube. It's so got to be right when you get on it. You need to have that that feel. Yeah. It, it's it almost to the point where when I turn the bars and the cable gets a little snug, the revs go up. You know, <laughs> that and uh, the front brake's got to be perfect. You know, it can't be. If I'm hitting my knuckles on my other fingers, I'm really upset <laughs> right well i mean i i do know that ktms come with brimbo front brakes which are better if that ever becomes a problem yeah uh, yeah uh, 
They also have some of the back brakes and everybody fries them. So uh, that's just because they don't know how to set up their back brake properly and they're just riding the pedal. I mean, yeah, we could true. debate how much better KTM's are the whole night, but you know, because <laughs> Kirk Caselli he did win the National Heritage Championship. This might be one of his number one jerseys on a KTM. But you have two Yamaha jerseys. So that's that, because that I love you guys. Absolutely, we got Jesse Grome, and then of course we've got Mr. Reigns here, your your uh, your role model that brought you in the team. And uh, oh no, I thought I had another Yamaha. Oh no, that's right, I haven't got yours yet. Hmm. Send me an address. Hmm. hmm. <laughs> huh. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, all right. So we know that you've got plans. Obviously, you're working on stuff for uh, for 2014. Um, is it gonna is, is what you're trying to work on kind of the same program you've been doing doing the Eastern hair scrambles and the GNCC or are you gonna maybe throw some enduros in there? Uh, the enduros I enjoy riding the enduros, um, racing the enduros. That's a whole different thing for me with a moto background. Them trees are really tight for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, yes they are. <laughs> I, I was gonna do the Pennsylvania rounds because I've done them before at local races and I enjoyed them because they're rocky and technical. But uh, as far as doing the whole series, that's that's not quite in my in my ball field. But I'm definitely definitely gonna do the national hair scrambles again. I really enjoy those. Um, as long as you know something comes together with the team, I'll keep doing the GNCCs. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's that's I think that we're looking forward to. I know it, it always sucks when you see somebody who's got really great promise. They've been putting a lot of effort into it, and they get hurt. You don't you don't like it when they just kind of come. It's like they can't figure it out, trying to get you know all that kinds of stuff. So, I hope that you keep getting better and that you can make it back. I know, unfortunately, it sounds like you're not going to be making the Pennsylvania round, but uh, you can be coming back for the last two, which unfortunately is there's no letter Loretta Lynn's in there at all. So that means. Yeah, I was- Highly disappointed of that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of am too. But and it sounds like, uh, you know, what was that? A 2011, I think, is when it became kind of the last because of the the rainout when it became the two day back in 2011. I loved that, yeah. and that was my first GNCC. Yeah. But I had a ton of fun. I thought it was great. It seemed like everybody really enjoyed it. Um, oh, I loved that weekend. But, that was, I whole shot it that weekend. And it was like, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I just like so. I don't know, man. One day it's gonna happen, and I'm gonna be able to make it out to another GC. We can GNCC. We can hang out, and uh, you know, maybe after your racing's over, we'll enjoy a pint full of awesome. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Could happen. I'll let you drink water, though. I'm not gonna hold you to it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, dude. Well, cool. Well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and jump over to our friend over Scott Broman. He's gonna be talking about the Baja Rally. But of course, dude, we really, really appreciate your time. You got any last tidbits of awesome for us? Uh, not much, you know. Just thanks to all the sponsors that you know sticking with me through the injury, and thanks to all the uh, you know the friends and fans for keep uh, giving positive thoughts and and support. You know, hopefully we'll be back. We'll definitely be back for Ohio and Indiana, and put the hammer back down and put her back on the rev limiter like everybody likes. And yeah, <laughs> and having fun. So that's what matters. Good. Well, cool, man. Yeah, keep getting healthy. Keep getting back there. We definitely want to see you racing, and uh, that way we can have you on the show more and talk about more awesomeness, right? Heck yeah. All right, D. Well, take it easy. Have a good night. Again, we really appreciate your time, okay? Not a problem. Thank you. Later. All right, and as usual, as we switch over to our next guest for the evening, Steven is going to go ahead and do all the bits that need to be bitted and have have connections be connected. Uh, Of course, 
Fly Racing. Cannot thank them enough for their support of Seed Time. So you can check them out at flyracing.com is where you can go ahead and find out information. But he's listening to us and on the show at the same time, Scott. What's going on? Try the lights. He's listening to us and on the show at the same time, Scott. What's going on? What is happening? Hey, buddy. Try the lights. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had this much feedback of myself before. It's kind of a, uh, it's kind of interesting. Do you have headphones? Because if you have headphones, it makes it way better. Again, so as we're kind of, he's going to plug in his headphones. I want to say thank you again to flyracing.com uh, for Fly Racing and the guys over at WPS because they're a big, big help uh, making sure that we can cover all, this, all the crazy bills that come along with doing this. Some people wouldn't actually understand how expensive it is for us to be able to push HD broad, uh, over, broadway, over broadband to Ustream. They don't make it cheap. It's very unfortunate. So we thank them very much for their support. Please go check them out. All their great gear. And I know they just uh, got all their hydration packs in that they've been working out with Liat. They fit on all the Liat braces. Go check them out by Useway. Best stuff out there. Uh, honestly, go check out our review. What did I say about it? It's a five out of five. Bam. That's what we're talking about. All right. So now people in the chat room, Scott, are talking about Mac computers. So apparently between my fly racing ad and you know, us getting you on the show, we lost interest. And this is just horrible for me. So what I'm asking is that we completely bring back all the brackness and the motoness and uh, and talk about this Baja rally that you guys have put together, first annual. Now, treat me, treat me like the ignorant person because I want to know, tell me about the Baja rally. What is the Baja rally? Well, thanks a lot for having us on tonight, uh, Brian. It's Baja's first ever navigation-based uh, rally raid. So we're talking modeled after FIM world-class uh, rallies, namely uh, the Dakar. Call this the Nano Dakar, if okay. you will. <laughs> right. So it's, uh, I was really lucky in 2011. Uh, I got picked to go and be a journalist at um, – I go to the Dakar with Volkswagen. I spent, you know, two and a half weeks, you know, chasing Quinn Cody, and I, I took in the experience. And so, since then, I've covered the last three Dakars, um, you know, from the last two from home. And I, I've been living in Baja part time for about two years. And I just, uh, I was lucky enough to go to Jimmy Lewis's rally navigation training, uh, which was a really big deal for me. It was just as big as going to the Dakar. And so we put two and two together and just, you know, decided that it was time to have an actual navigation-based rally raid in, in Baja. Uh, there's something similar called the Nora Mexican 1000. It's a multi-day event. Uh, but after two years, really about six years of riding around Baja, it just made sense. It looks like Argentina. It looks like the wine country in a lot of the areas in northern Baja. And I just, after training with Jimmy Lewis, uh, and working with some other people, I just decided to put a team together and launch a, 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 what was going to be a very small uh, first rally in in Baja. It turned out to uh, sell out in the first uh, 36 hours uh, with with uh, North America's biggest um, uh, rally fanatics. Uh, the big five uh, in particular, 
Dave Peckham, Charlie Rossio, uh, Chris Vestal, um, let's see, Mike Shirley from Rally Navigator, and the timing couldn't have been better. But there's, uh, so in, in order to bring you up to speed, uh, we're just trying to bring uh, a different style of, of racing into Baja that um, turns out it's, there's a really high demand for it. And right. So that's the first little little you know, tidbit on it. By the way, we're, I know that you guys sometimes toast them here. Uh, on seat time, and so I don't drink beer, so I brought uh, a little Santo Tomas. Oh. Uh, this is a Cabernet Sauvignon. I don't know if you can see the price tag on that very well. It looks expensive. Yeah. It, 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 no, anyways, good stuff down here. Baja's got a lot of secrets to share with people. There he goes. Yes, that's okay, because it's Hold funny. We're all showing uh, – there it is. Cheers to you, kind sir, for one, Salud. being on the show, and two – you know, for having your own beverage. I really appreciate you bringing that out. Cheers, mate. Because that's the one thing is everybody knows, it, obviously a little bit of a side note, but it, at sea time we like to have fun. And sure, sometimes that comes along with having adult beverages. But at the same time, I think everybody just kind of connects. We do some bench racing and all that kinds of stuff. We'll get there. But it's all right. So I want to know what kind of – now – I guess through doing seat time throughout the past two to three years, I have come to learn a lot more about, say, like the Baja 250, the 500, and the 1000, all those events that are run by score. Um, and I think like my first my first kind of bit when I was reading about this and you and I started talking kind of about this event, and I was like, yes, I'm very interested. I absolutely want to know more. Can you? Is there any kind of layman's terms on how you can break down? It's like people that know about these Baja score events – how does yours specifically differ from that kind of event so people can kind of have a know of you know there's a what the differences are well to explain the differences we have to just talk about what's the similarities the only similarities is it's a motorcycle race in in Baja everything else is different in Baja okay. they, there's um, in score races you pre-run the course is usually open um, and marked for two to three weeks before any event with markers and GPS files. And so the participants are permitted to uh, venture out and to train and practice. Uh, you know, this is like how Yvonne Ramirez uh, and was able to bring Kurt Caselli up to speed a couple of years ago when Kurt started. Um, and so in score races, you have markers, you have a marked course, you have GPS, you have practice. And so in the only similarities between SCORE and what we're doing is that there are motorcycle races in, in Baja. Everything else is, is pretty different. Okay. Um, okay. I, I take it you've, you've been following, since Kurt, did, Kurt Caselli did fantastic in his first Dakar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, yeah. Was, that was news. And I, I remember seeing him on the show uh, after, seeing him on your show after he came back from the Dakar. And um, so... To break it down for the listeners, we'll have two days of racing, uh, Saturday, October 5th, and Sunday, October 6th. We cover about 300 miles, and then we'll break that down into four different stages. So on day one, we'll have two stages. They'll run about the first day is about 170 miles of 90% um, unraced course. That means that 90% of the course is, has not been raced by SCORE or by any other American uh, promoter. Um, we sleep in an overnight bivouac, so it's basically a traveling encampment uh, where crews are, um, are in, there, for instance, in our rally, there are no, just like in the Dakar, there's no pit stops per se, there's no outside support, uh, there's no radios, there's no GPS. Really, the, the riders are basically just taking their, their road book. You know, they basically have 
and I'm not sure if this is too legible there. But oh, no, it's, it's coming uh, through perfect, actually. You know, and I'm kind of giving it away here. So there's 40 participants. So if you guys are watching, you might just start snapping photos off with your phone. <laughs> but it's stuff like this. This was made by Rally Navigator. Um, it's, a, it's a computer program put out by, so it's web-based software. And you can find this at rallynavigator.com. It's actually catching on like a wildfire. It's uh, all over the world, but riders can make this, and you can make this in about 20 minutes using. It's a it's a web-based software that you use uh, using Google Earth. Uh, it's actually really cool. So it, it allows people like uh, Caselli fans and Rally fans to actually get into a sport that was previously really difficult to get into. You know the equipment requirement, uh, for instance, for our rally. The minimum requirements is about seven hundred and fifty dollars of of rally navigation gear from from rally management services. Now, listeners should, if you're anyone's interested in learning more about this, BajaRallyMoto.com, or just Google the term uh, Baja Rally, uh, and we're coming up second on the on the search right now. So, this software allows you to make roadbooks. Rally management services allows you to purchase the the gear to do it. Um, I was really um, I slowly just built a team and we it's our rally uh, we have a team we have about 45 people on our team uh that are our support crew our logistics compliance safety uh timing and scoring we have eric kudla um if you're familiar with eric's work um, yes indeed he's been on the show twice so, yeah so i mean just having a guy like eric and we've got i mean a handful of people at eric's caliber scott whitney aka hog wild is a sidecar dakar uh, veteran uh, and he's really known as the Tyler Durden, in my opinion. I call him the Tyler Durden of, of rally in America. He sleeps with one eye open, and <laughs> he's traveling around from place to place. Um, so Eric Kudla is our timing and scoring uh, chief, and uh, you know he's proven to be just an incredible asset. Um, some of the other individuals that are involved, of course, Scott Whitney. You know we have the Gomez brothers uh, that are running the ground logistics. Uh, they're hot. They're ex. Honda pit uh, guys that have also been pitting for Hengeville, then Kawasaki and Robbie Bell, you know, for the last few years. Um, so in the momentum down here, the, the landowners and the hotel owners, the government, the local sheriffs, everyone's really supporting uh, this new event. It's very difficult for, say, an American uh, to just, just show up in Mexico and say, hey, I'm going to do a 300-mile race in your, in your country. So luckily, I've been spending some time down here and, you know, building relationships and networking. And thank goodness I've got my team. Critical component, Danny Velasquez. Uh, he's a uh, import-export expert in Ensenada. We're actually broadcasting from his shop tonight. Uh, it's called Carrera uh, 777 or Carrera 777 out here in Ensenada. Among the Baja crew, Danny Velasquez is well known. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm forgetting, a, a, you know, a few people here on the spot. Um, uh, so but, but bringing a race together like this, a rally is, you know, it's a huge undertaking. I was just planned to do 10 people and it sold out. We had, so Larry Rosler, um, I'm yeah. sure you're familiar with Larry's work sure. <laughs> uh, and his play. So he was an early uh, sign up. Ricky Johnson uh, was our first en enrollee. He simply said he wanted to do a race. Ricky Johnson uh, was our first that He simply said he wanted to do a race. That's cool. I get a little feedback there. So RJ said he just wants to do a race in Baja that it doesn't involve trucks. So the safety aspect of, of staging a motorcycle race in Mexico without other trucks and, and vehicles was really appealing to him. Um, we have a GPS requirement that the riders actually track their own 
tracks. We uh, take their GPSs at registration, clear them out, and they hand them back to the riders just before they start, uh, and they're blanked out, so they can't put maps on there or put waypoints. Uh, they'll receive the road books the night, just like in Dakar, they get their road book the night before, and they'll study it and um, and go through it. So, uh, by the way, some of the, uh, the the riders we have, the big names, Johnny Campbell, of course, um, Andy Greider has been to Dakar six times, uh, most notably as a co-driver for Robbie uh, Gordon. Uh, let's see, we have Rosler, Cameron Steele, it's his first rally, Chili White of Enduro 360. Um, you know, he signed up as a media guy. We're working on... Working on a couple others, hoping to get Quinn Cody to come out. Um, we don't, nothing's official yet, but it's just, you know, we're, uh, we're trying to make that happen and trying to get together. It's, uh, it's his birthday today, coincidentally. I wanted to say something. I see the, the flex bar sitting there on your seat, Brian. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've been riding these things about a year and, you know, a little bit more expensive than your traditional bars, but boy, they're, they last longer. They are strictly I'm telling you, the flexibility that you have, the the adaptability, they're just insane. So anyone that's on the fence about the flex bars, I mean, it's an insane product. Changes your riding, and once you go back, well, you know what they say. Hey, yeah, we've all been to college. We know what's up. <laughs> so all of that is a lot of information. You threw out so many names that it's like, man, if nothing else, if you want to go ride and hang out with a bunch of cool dudes, that's pretty much it. This is, this would be the place to do it. Um, but I have some kind of, I guess like in the sense of a, if it being a rally, um, I, is there a winner and how kind of is, is the winner still based off the same principles that like we would have with the car or like a, uh, where it's kind of based off of time in those stages? Same as the car, so it's going to be a, a, a shortest cumulative uh, penalty adjusted time. So, for instance, after each stage, you know, you get your, your times and your results. It's based on uh, shortest elapsed time. Okay. Uh, we will issue penalties for, uh, you know, major deviations and significant uh, accidental short coursing uh, deviations from the actual route. We have a compliance system that we're employing. I uh, think that the first time in Baja that this has been employed um, – a rally uh, promoter that's in Mexico, in Jalisco, Mexico, uh, or in, in Mexico City, actually in Oaxaca, is uh, Rally Playero, and they do a, um, the Red Bull Coast to Coast, and now they're sponsored by Monster. They do a big rally in, in Mexico. So there is a winner, and what's neat about this one, Brian, is that we don't know who the winner is going to be. We've got some top-name talents in there. I mean, Baja, 11-time Baja 1000 champion uh, uh, Johnny Campbell, yeah, you know, racing awesome. against... Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a keg full of awesome for sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so when you, you stack on that, Andy Greider, um, Larry Rosler, Ricky Johnson, Cameron Steele, these guys are Baja veterans. But we have Nino Rojas, which is a Mexican local Mexican champion, and also Octavio Valle. Uh, he's from uh, Jalisco and Mex in mainland Mexico. The, the 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 field and the table is completely level. We don't know who's going to win this event, and because it is challenging. You know, I'm down here almost full time now. I was out yesterday testing one of the uh, first stages with the roadbook and going through my mind. I've been writing this stuff, you know, over and over for the last few months, and it is going to be really challenging. And so um, we're looking to do some good coverage as well. So possible TV show is in the works um, with some producers, uh, but for sure we'll be doing some aerial imagery with some helicopters and trying to document and bring this. Uh, bring this event to the masses as quickly as possible. And, you know, a year from now, we'll hope to do a live stream and, you know, have some participation, maybe even have you out 
uh, and maybe and do some commentating, you know, and that would, I mean, we definitely got a taco or two to, out here. But something about the, the, the cultural immersion of uh, what's possible with this event. When I went to Dakar, uh, and for the first time, I was amazed, just like Caselli will tell you, it's a totally different ballgame. And there was just an announcement he just announced within the last month that, you know, he signed a three-year deal with, with KTM Europe to do the FIM, you know, World Rally Series. And I mean, this guy's going to win Dakar. He, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Kirk Caselli will be America's very first Dakar winner, the first American to ever step on top of the podium at Dakar. I'm absolutely convinced by his rookie performance, and now that he's signed for three years with, with, with KTM Europe to do that program, uh, it, it's going to happen. And so it's kind of, we're, I, I predict that when, when it does happen, because I'm going out on a limb here and... Uh, not not really going out on a limb. That it will it'll be a catalyst change, and, and guys like uh, Jed Jedediah will uh, and yourself and you know many others I think will spend the seven or eight hundred bucks, equip your bike with rally gear, and you'll use I believe uh, rally navigator and make your own road books, share them with your friends, and I, I believe that we'll be doing this. Um, you know, up until a year ago, it's been really out of out of reach. Uh, now with it's a, it's a catalyst thing, Caselli. Uh, we got Jimmy Lewis, you know, Rally Management Services, Mike Shirley at, at um, Rally Navigator, um, Charlie Rosseo uh, was the one of the first American privateers to really dive into to the Dakar. All these guys and all this timing, uh, plus the safety uh, concerns about racing in Mexico with, with trucks, uh, it's all kind of coming to a head. And so the, the Baja Rally happened at a lucky time, and it's happening, I think, at a, at a really lucky time uh, that will... It's, it's likely to, 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 I think, maybe be a paradigm shift. Um, and that's not our cause, but I think that's just one of our effects. Yeah. Okay. So 36 riders, you guys sold out in, 30, like in a couple minutes, a couple hours. What was it, a couple minutes or hours? What we did is we announced on March 15th, and we told guys you have a month and a half to put your name in a waiting list. And so if you're interested, uh, on March 15th, right after the San Felipe 250, uh, we said, hey, we're launching this rally. We'll limit it to 20 people. And if you want to get in, you got to put your name in the hat. So Ricky Johnson was the first guy to put his name in the hat. And we built a list of 40. So on May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, by the way, in Mexico, they don't really recognize Cinco de Mayo. It's more like a, a U.S. thing. It's um, more like the 5th of May in Mexico opposed to Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so it's in America, it's basically when avocados cost the most and it's an excuse to to buy avocados and drink beer, but as I'm sure you're familiar with. Out Excuse in Texas. to show up uh, the next day at work a little hungover. Totally. So it did. Um, we so we had 40 names on the list, and we told them all. We gave them all a password the night before and said May 5th you have one day to register. Uh, if you don't register, you go to the back of the line. Uh, it was kind of like a lottery thing. We gave you a number, and you show up with your ticket. If you are um, if you failed to to register and pay. Uh, then you were bumped to the back of the line. And so using that method, out of uh, 40 riders, about about 40 riders total, 36, um, we had 25 from the pre-list pre and about another uh, seven from the secondary list. And then, it, so we stopped at 32. That took about 36 hours to sell out. Uh, and then, then we reserved the last eight spots for VIPs, like Johnny Campbell, Larry Rossler, Cameron Steele. Um, Octavio Valle slipped in, uh, one of the later entrants. Uh, Anna Cody, Quinn Cody's sister. Um, it'll be her first true rally. 
And I uh, you know she's fresh off of her uh, 250 expert win at the uh, Best in the Desert Vegas Torino. Yeah. So yeah. we're really excited to have uh, you know someone representing the um, you know someone representing the ladies out here in this rally. And so she's pumped up as well. She got sponsored by by Baja Bound Insurance. Um, I wanted to tell you that Climb. I'm sure you're familiar with this this uh, motorcycle gear maker, the oh, soft gear sure. maker Climb. You know. If you're used to if you if you try their gear, it's like the north face of of of, of off-road gear. It's insane. I mean, the stuff holds up in Baja, keeps you dry. They uh, climb really stepped up to the plate on this particular deal for us, and they became our title sponsor in a in a huge uh, way uh, to support this this rally. And it it was like our dream to really fit and come together with you know a, a good name. It's not just a big name, but it's a quality name and. You know, with like the the adventure market, you know the uh, the the GS twelve fifties or sorry GS twelve hundred BMWs, the KTM nine nineties, and this is a really fast growing market. And um, you know, our rally kind of speaks to that group of adventure riders who who want to come down here. So Klein came on board. We have Night Rider. Um, you know, these they're Night Riders getting ready to launch into off road. They make they're the number one bike. Oh yeah, um, I ride the crap bike. out of those things on uh, mountain bikes. Yeah, exactly. So they have this 1800 lumen deal. They have a 3600 lumen light that's coming out. So they're they're relaunching their off-road uh, program at, right on October 1st. It coincides with the Baja Rally. So they became a a, a key partner. Uh, they're um, uh, basically a, a partner level sponsor, and uh, you know we couldn't be more happy to, than to have Knight Rider join us. Sunoco Fuel, um, you know, big fuel company does a lot of NASCAR stuff. They're providing all the race fuel for the bikes. The entrance, it's a really low entry fee. It was only 950 That's part of the allure of it. We wanted to uh, create a high demand and a low supply, make it easy for the guys uh, and gals to come in. We pay for their hotel beds uh, for the two nights that they'll be racing. We pay for their meals. Uh, we try to make it so they don't have to do a lot of logistics, that they can come down. They don't have to worry about their fuel. They don't have to worry about where they're going to sleep. Uh, we give them food, and um, and so it's a uh, kind of a win-win. But So we got Knight Rider. Sunoco and Vase Motorsports is a San Diego dealer. They've been doing business about 60 years, uh, more than 50 years in San Diego, and uh, they came in in a huge way as well. I mean, we've got a ton of uh, junior sponsors. Uh, you know, I could just off the top of my head, it's uh, Joe Haller. Um, we've got um, PCI radios, uh, Giant Loop bags, um, you know, Baja Pits. Uh, let's see. I didn't. I should have made a list. Uh, I knew I was coming on the big show, so I kind of. I'm on the, I'm on the biggest show in Texas, so I'm going to go ahead and make a big list. No, I don't. I don't ever make a list. You're lucky if I remember half the crap that's going on. So I want to know. Being, I live in just north of Dallas, Texas. I ride a KTM 300 XC as of right now, and for 2014, for this event, if I wanted to come do it, am I like? logistically like besides the crap it takes me to get there you know am i would i be stupid to try to do it on a 300 xc is this something i mean like what's the bikes you know because you look at the car those guys those bikes are super super specific so kind of what's the you know kind of maybe give some average people out there what might be you know what they need to prep for if they're looking to do this event uh for 2014 like maybe when it comes down to bike and you know obviously we talked about a lot of the navigation stuff so I would say that um, 450 is just is just right. The 300 um, is going to work well, actually. 300 is not too small. There's a lot of windy, twisty stages, not a lot of straight, fast, 
wide open stuff. In Dakar, like they'll alternate. Some some days will be a lot of straight. We we, we looked at uh, Caselli's aerial footage from the helicopter. The state one of the stages that he won, it was just wide open, fast graded road, and he was just taped the whole time. <laughs> so the 300, Brian, I think you would do well. I think by uh, you know hooking up with uh, rally management services. Uh, and and doing the rally navigator thing, I think it'll be ready by March of 2014 to do it. And I think the 300 would be would be perfect. I don't think I don't think you're undergunned with the 300. Um, I think at the 690 level, we have a few guys entered on the 690, and that's the pretty much the top. A 990 is going to be too much bike, for sure. Uh, my 650 uh, does okay for the you know my XR 650 does okay at building the courses, um, but I think you know 300. To 690 is is perfect. 450 is obviously the sweet spot on this right. one. All right, but cool. But I think you could do it. I think you could definitely uh, do it. And in fact, I just had a, an epiphany and a, and a premonition. You are coming. Oh, well, that's see. I always I always tell my wife I have premonitions, and she looks at me and she gives me the look that she's like, you know, you're stupid, right? And I was like, uh, oh, hey, 2008 too. You're drinking some high high flute and stuff there, buddy. For sure, my friend. Somebody's uh, got to in this world. That's what I'm talking about. I'm just drinking gluten-free beer over here because I'm one of those guys. Got my own issues in the world. Well, I think I'm excited about this. Um, it's funny. I don't. Did you know that Kirk Caselli is coming on the show after you? Yeah, I'm just waiting. I'm just. I'm just here count, counting the time. I'm just waiting to get bumped. By, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. That that that's not what that was. This is not the bump time at that point. But uh, no, so I'm still trying to get a Skype ID. Oh well, Kurt, maybe maybe he's coming on the show. He said he'd be let ready. Let me say something. Let me say something about Kurt. Is uh, as you know, and as anybody who's met Kurt Caselli knows, is that man. You just you couldn't pick a better guy to be around just to just to sit next to. I mean, and his teammate Mark Coma. I've spent some time with Mark. Uh, they're basically two peas in a pod. They're both gentlemen's gentlemen. I mean, these guys are both. Um, you know, you can't say enough stuff about Kurt. I mean, his talent, you know, is uh, speaks for itself, but. Take him off the bike. He has better stature, and you know, more as much stature or more stature, and, and just more grounded, um, you know, level-headed um, uh, humility and, and humbleness of anybody. And it's like you couldn't find a better guy to be the representative, you know, for the U.S. representative to go to the Dakar. Uh, to put it into perspective for you, like, I mean, you know, we all love this guy Caselli. He's just an animal on the bike and, and a gentleman, you know, off the bike. The, the scope of Dakar, of the Dakar Rally, it makes the Baja 1000, which is a, an incredible, major, uh, important event in America and, and in North America, Mexico. It really makes the Baja 1000 look like a, a, a barbecue. It, looks, it makes it look like a fun ride that is so massive. The, the, just the registration and uh, technical inspection area is like the size of of Knott's Berry Farm, or if you took, for instance, Dallas Cowboy, what do they call the stadium these days? Like, uh, they actually, God. unfortunately, just changed it to the AT&T Stadium because AT&T started paying enough money, I guess. But so, hey. like, the, just the, the registration or the technical inspection, they call it scrutineering. Scrutineering. Scrutinizing engineering. It's a French thing. Uh, <laughs> it's a size. It would be the size of the property of, of, a, of a major arena. And, and it's uh, and not only that, the amount of people that, that Caselli rode by in 2013 in January, uh, he had to ride by a million people. I mean, he had to have two million eyeballs on him in person over the course of those two weeks. And think of all the times when he's out in the wilderness or when the riders are out in the boondocks, in the dunes and in the desert. But when they come around towns and villages, I mean, 
hundreds of thousands of people, uh, you know, come out. So, I, I mean, get in my, I have a Facebook page called Broman Live. I, I keep people updated on Baja races in particular and, and the Dakar. And, you know, d- during that, what I try to use that, that Facebook page for is to just kind of bring the Dakar coverage home, which we're very underrepresented here for now. For the moment, we're very underrepresented in North America uh, as it, in terms of the Dakar rally. Right. Once Caselli wins, which, you know, knock on wood, you know, everything goes okay, it's just a matter of time. This uh, 2014 edition or, you know, he's on contract for, six, you know, 15 and 16. Once that happens, then I think everyone kind of tunes in and wakes up and, I mean, meaning the big media in the U.S. and they'll, they'll start having a little bit. An American has never won this race. Right. We had very close calls, you know, Robbie Gordon, Mark Miller, uh, Chris Blaze, um, uh, Danny Laporte. You know, we've had Americans come very close. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you say that. I remember watching the Tour de France growing up. I've been bicycling my whole life, way before, um, you know, Lance Armstrong won. But the, the first time that Lance Armstrong won, well, they took it away, but whatever. When he won the first time, it was like, ah, oh, boom, all of a sudden the next year, like the outdoor network or whatever it was that it was still on at the time, it was like full bore, live coverage all the time. But you're right, it's like in, you know, in North America, but that wasn't the case until he won. So it could be the same thing. Now, granted, I don't know if it's going to be as big right away, but I do love me some Kurt Caselli. I know there's a lot of other people out there that love them some Kurt Caselli. So I could see him being a very big stepping stone into making sure that if he were to uh, to start winning on such a world scale, that uh, that he would that uh, it would it would get much much bigger and much more coverage. Yeah, for sure. It's a French event. It would, coincidentally. I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but ASO, it's called Armory Sports Group. They own the Tour de France and they own the Dakar. So the people who put the Tour de France on, it's a media company, a lot like the, like ESPN puts on the X Games. Yeah. You know, it's like Disney puts on this event called the X Games. You know, Disney owns ESPN. ESPN puts on the X Games. ASO, Armory Sports, Sports Group, they own Tour de France. And did I say that right? Tour de France. Tour de France. I, Tour de France. I, as an American trying to speak French, yes. Yeah, perfect. So and they so basically um, they also own the Dakar and they own all the media around it. And that's why it's if you know about the French, the U.S. French rivalry, uh, there's something to be said there that they you know they don't really promote uh, the Dakar too heavily in America on their own. They don't need to. It is a Brian. I'll go out on a limb and I'll tell you that the Dakar is the largest motorsports event on the planet. It trumps Indy, Daytona, by far it's 15 days of Indy. And uh, the, and let's just call it, it's three times the size of Daytona 500. And let's say the uh, the Formula One uh, and MotoGP, you know, it's, it's taken 15 MotoGPs and cramming it all into one event. Uh, it's this massive thing. And, you know, if Caselli comes on, hopefully you can, you know, probe him more about his uh, Dakar, you know, about his uh, KTM Europe deal. Um, and I, cause I mean, I think that the more that your listeners, and I think the more that your, your followers and the fans out there really start to pick up on, Hey, this is happening. Caselli is, a, 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 he's, they, they put him in the place with Mark Homa. They're, they're a team guys. I mean, he's yeah. Caselli yeah. will have a water carrier, you know, and they're, they're putting Caselli out there with Coma to, to win, you know? And I think that uh, it's going to be a, a bottle full of awesome, if you will. 
Yes, a water bottle full of awesome. Well, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I think at this point we're going to give it about four more minutes, and then uh, I would love for Kirk Asada to come on. He said he was going to be able to make it. But, uh, hey, stuff happens. I do know he was uh, shooting. He was. He's actually at Brian Deegan's house. Um, and I was like, you know, like, Brian Deegan Deegan? He's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, you need to get that bald-headed badass on the show. Uh, they're shooting a DVS uh, photo shoot today, so you never know. They got held up, whatever it is. You know, celebrities. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I don't know. Um, I think we, yeah, we were talking, uh, I was talking a little bit with Jared Bolton earlier today. We might be able to send him a text message and see if he wants to come on. He could talk to us a little bit about some of the GNCC stuff that went on. There's a lot of craziness that went on at the GNCC this past weekend. It would be interesting to learn a lot of that for sure. Steven, you want to send one of those text messages? You are more than welcome. Sure. I will spell his name. It is Jared Bolton. You pick the letters. That's his name. Okay. So... Where does this event go for you in the future? What what makes what successful growth for you guys? Okay, number one, our, our goal is to introduce the sport to Baja. Number two, it's to immerse uh, the, the participants and their support crew in the local culture of Baja's smaller towns and the local secrets of Baja's um, agricultural, uh, winemaking, and uh, culinary treats uh, around the world. Uh, or that basically their con- Baja's contribution to the global winemaking scene, uh, food, and number th- so number three is to promote return tourism, adventure tourism in Baja. So what we see is basically going to 80 riders, uh, going to five day- four days of, of racing in March. So we're going to go from two days in October, we're going to jump to four days in March. Uh, and take it up, up to 60 or 80 uh, participants. Four days in March. 2016, February 2016, we're looking to do seven days to Cabo and back. And that would be basically about a 2,000 miles uh, over the course of seven days. Entirely doable with liaison transfer stages. Um, you know, we're looking to do live streaming, uh, not too fast because you got to have the actual people that really want to see it. So we want to grow organically, Brian. It's, uh, it's already grown faster than, than I had expected and faster than we, um, anticipated. And so it's a matter of like pulling it together and managing the growth, um, number of participants, the safety aspects, the land use, uh, we're a lot lighter on the environment because we don't pre-run. Uh, the riders are not allowed to go out and tear the course up. There's no trucks or quads at this point in time. Um, you know, eventually, if we can get this wired, you know, of course, we'd bring trucks and quads uh, and buggies, more of like rally cars. One of the big differences between score racing and what we're doing is we're a lot less whoops. Uh, and that's a, a welcome, uh, you know, yeah. treat for a lot of riders. <laughs> I a bet. Lot, just, a lot less whoops, a lot less talc, you know, uh, talc, they call it, um, silt. Uh, and a lot like more or less smoother, uh, less less whoops and less real treacherous stuff. Um, and is that because of the fact that you guys are on less ridden terrain, or is it just where you guys are doing it versus where they do Baja might be, you know, uh, just kind of how it forms different. It's such a great question. You know, from Google Earth, from space, you can see the whoops of San Felipe. I mean, they're <laughs> visible, and here they're not. That's not so down in Argentina. Here's why. Off-road is a way of life in Baja. The paved roads end in every small town, and so everybody drives a truck off-road in dirt. Uh, only the major cities have pavement, and so basically off-road is a way of life. It's the way you get to your, your village, your pueblo, your rancho, uh, your farm. Uh, and so years and years and years of just citizens that are using the, the course, 
and years and years of SCORE, uh, which is a great organization, Nora, which invented the sport of off-road racing in 67, and um, uh, Record is the Mexican uh, version. We have Record, Code, C-O-D-E. Those are the two main Mexican racing series down here in Baja, and they run the same courses over and over and over, and of course that causes the whoop. So our what we've, what we've had to do is open up doors and open up uh, terrain to less familiar stuff, and the only way we can get in there, Brian, is just by saying, hey, there's no pre-running, it's just bikes, and I, we need a two-hour window of time to let these guys come through. So in that way, that's, uh, that's, that's, I hope, the answer to the question. Yeah, no, for sure, absolutely. It is interesting. I've always kind of wondered about that. Again, as I said, I've always been, I've always had the knowledge about the Baja races, but I've just never really been able to kind of talk to a lot of different people and learn a lot. And then by doing seat time in the past two to three years, and then, of course, my love of Kirk Caselli has grown, having him on the show, guys like yourself. Um, it, it's it's interesting to learn all this crazy kind of stuff so about the, the San Felipe whoops. I, I didn't ever know, and I just always thought, hey, Baja's got a lot of ups and downs that just suck. But, you know, <laughs> I don't want to run that. One of the coolest things, like when Caselli comes down here, I interviewed him about a year and a half ago, and it was after his first couple of, you know, six months in, in Baja, and he commented on just how cool and how nice everybody was and how he had Ivan Ramirez taking him around and how what a great experience he was having being hosted by Ivan and when you come down here into Baja it's not the same thing as um, what you read about on the paper people are generous people are nice and, and friendly I have more friends in Ensenada and more friends in Baja than I do back home in San Diego and I'm starting to call uh, Baja and Ensenada my, my, my real home um, and and the, the, so when you come down here, as you know, as Kurt's probably hopefully he's kind of pulling you by your arm and having you come down. I'm asking you to come down. Uh, we can host you, and Danny Velasquez will will show you the town. And, and um, our, our what we can do is show you the culture, and just basically you'll see in the first day people are genuinely friendly. You know, I know out in Texas people are, are genuinely friend, friendly as well. I've only spent a little bit of time there. Yeah, you just have you to know, remember not, they all have guns. <laughs> yeah. gun racks so yeah. there's gun racks in every car and there's actually guns in the, on the gun racks but yep. when people once you come down to mexico and to actually into baja in particular i'm only familiar with baja uh and i can just tell you that people are warm uh they have a different way of life uh and they're genuinely happy and sincere people and it's contagious and that's why caselli and robbie bell and colton udall and johnny campbell and and david pearson and and uh you know steve hengevel all the top name motorcycle racers that are that are flourishing in baja that's why they keep coming back right I mean, it's if they were having a bad experience they wouldn't come back and that's why we're we want to bring people down to the baja rally and actually immerse them in the culture in that car you move around from town to town Across the Andes, you're going to go into Chile and Peru and Argentina through wine country. Every night you're in a different town. So every night you learn a different culture, a different kind of food, a different climate. And so we're trying to do replicate that same Dakar feeling uh, by you know moving the, the rally from small town to small town all the way up and down the tip of Baja and back. Um, that's really the goal that my team and I are sharing and it's like it's not uh it's not my deal anymore it was when I started but it's our rally now and yeah now you're here it's your rally too so you know I uh I can hardly wait to see the 300 uh the, your KTM is it EXC uh j the XC but just because the I'm an American it would be the EXC if I was uh, you know in Europe <laughs> 
I think you're going to have a heck of a time. Chili White is coming out. We're trying to get Adam Booth from Dirt Rider uh, to come out and do a media class and do a, a story on the show. I think Adam uh, Booth may be coming. Uh, and then, so in Rally 2 in March, it will be you and Chili and Adam and some other media guys. Um, and you'd be riding in the media class. And, uh, you know, it, wouldn't, uh, it would make me incredibly happy to see something like that happen. And, and really, I mean, subliminally, what we're working on is that if we can do our job, a guy like Caselli will actually tell KTM North America, he say, I want, I'm doing this event. Right, like, yeah. Not, it's not so much that, hey, that's why we're doing it, but if we do a good job, Yvonne Ramirez and, and Caselli will will, at, will say, hey, we're not asking, we're telling, and we really want to do the, do the Baja Rally. We're hoping for, for good things, and um, gosh, it feels so good to have a great team around us, and uh, you know, I couldn't be... I, I personally, for my entire team, I, I just want to say thanks to the Mexican people and to the media, uh, all the landowners and hotel owners and all of our partners to climb, especially, uh, you know, Knight Rider, Sunoco, Vays, uh, you know, all of our uh, junior sponsors with Joe Holler and, and PCI Radio, Baja Mex Insurance, um, you know, and a, a giant loop, uh, you know, big guys coming up to, uh, you know, step up to the plate. I think you're going to love it, Brian. Oh, I'm, I'm super excited. Don't no, you- like. I, I haven't I haven't done any anything like this. Uh, the fact that there's a chance for me to go and learn, not just not just like go out there, show up, and be like, okay, cool, I'm gonna do this rally, but to be able to go out and learn, like you're talking about, like Jimmy Lewis's navigation training course, something like that. I I, I would be in. I know even my dad would be like, dude, let's go together and do something like that. And he has a he has a 990, but I know I could talk him into finding a way to have a 690, or you know, to borrow or whatnot. Uh, I'm in. So whatever we Check have to do out. to start figuring it out, I think we should figure it out. Here's something about Rally. Well, you're in. So basically our media guys get kind of a bro deal to come in and cover. So um, the, uh, no, no riders get sponsored. Every rider has to pay to keep the, 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 the field level. When we race motorcycles at, or, and ride hard at 22, 25, 28 years old, I mean, we're taping it. You're going fast. But when you have a sh- your own radio show or your own – uh, you know, live streaming show, you, you, you can't afford to get really hurt. Maybe you have, you know, you have a kid and you have a family, you can't afford to get hurt as you get into your thirties and into your forties. This is a way for, to take our aging population of dirt bikers and keep them in the game. This yeah. is an intro and Jimmy Lewis and Dave Peckham from rally management services. They each have their own rally school. If you can get into Jimmy Lewis's school or into Dave Peckham's school, I'm telling you, I spent three weeks in Dakar, first class with Volkswagen, lifetime experience. The, the, it was like a meteor hitting me on the head. Very lucky, best experience of a lifetime. But Jimmy Lewis Rally School for five days uh, was just as good as the three weeks I spent in Dakar with, um, at the Dakar Rally with Volkswagen. So I'd like to see you get into Jimmy, one of Jimmy Lewis's programs. And I'm, I'm five days of, of basically two rally stages a day. It's like Fight Club, bro. It's basically <laughs> that's just what I need. That's just what I need. I ride. I ride like once a week right now. If I'm riding five days, I'm gonna have the most chapped ass in the world. I'm gonna look like my son when I take his diaper off. It's just gonna be this red thing, and I can't put enough Boudreaux's butt paste on it to make it to make it tolerable. <laughs> you know. You know what's a trip about that is that in Baja, you ask Caselli and Robbie Robbie Bell about this in Baja. 
they ride standing up. I mean, basically, uh, you know, even if you're doing, if you just look at the pictures of them and watch them on video, yep. they're hardly ever sitting down and uh, out out here. And uh, same thing out there. But I get you, you know, on, on that thing, the Fight Club aspect of, of doing the uh, the Jimmy Lewis school. It's like you live. We're living in his house. It was three of us every night. It was like a project mayhem, doing different projects every day. We're racing together. It's not a race, you know, but who, who wants to be the last guy to come in? So, you know, in, in rally, if you miss a turn, you could be hauling butt and doing really well. You miss a turn, there goes your lead. And, you know, the guys, you know, so you got to balance, you know, when to navigate, when to be in navigation mode, and then when, when to be in, in ride mode. So you look at your notes, and so, if, for instance, if, you know, um, there's a note that if my next note is – two miles away and I'm looking, hey, there's nothing coming up for two miles. I can just look up and I know what two miles looks like. I can just ride fast for two miles. And then as you know, and then glance at your odometer and you kind of look at this stuff. Do you remember watching the video? The before the it, it was during the Dakar rally, it was Mark Coma kind of uh, mentoring and tutoring yes. uh, Caselli. Yeah, it looked so, like and, it looked like my dad like, hey, teaching me how to work on it a rap chart. Started busting up. It looked like me and my dad. Like you could have seen footage of me and my dad back when I was like twelve. And he's like, "This is how you read an enduro roll chart." And I'm still just as glazed over. Like, I don't know what's going on. Why do you have a highlighter? It's like, same thing. Exactly. So what was really weird about that was for what how little he knew about navigation and how he got thrown into it. That he won two stages. Yeah. Almost three very close to winning that third stage mechanical breakdown they had to tow him in he was leading i was watching and, and covering it so if he had he won three stages it would have absolutely been unprecedented for a for a, a dakar rookie a dakar you know, rookie and an american a dakar rookie american that's right the uh you know and it just gives me goosebumps to think about that stage when i've been covering uh, races i've been doing this uh, baja journalism moto journalism since 2006 and in six years of doing this, I've never been more stoked or had more goosebumps than when I got to announce that Caselli had won, uh, you know, his first stage. And, uh, I mean, it was just like, who would have guessed it? And nobody predicted. I mean, maybe a few guys went out on a limb. but So we're now predicting that the dude, the man, uh, goes out and, and wins one for the U.S. And it's just going to, you know... Uh, and it's like I kind of knew when he came back. I wanted to talk to him. I haven't really got a chance to, but I knew when he came back that it would be he would redirect his his focus, and and, and that's exactly what I, what's what's happened. Which is fantastic because we just found out that he's ready to go, right, Stephen? All right, so we're gonna Facetime him in, and now, but by no means, okay. So, dude, really, really appreciate your time. Honestly, this is it. it it's it's interesting for me to learn all of this stuff, not just about all the things that I've learned about score in the past couple of years, but about all these rallies, rallies that have been going on, like things like the car and what you guys are doing, what you're not just doing for yourself, but what you're putting into the sport and trying to help raise awareness and really make more events for people to enjoy the fact that we all that dirt bikes are awesome and we really enjoy just holding back a throttle sometimes and goofing off and then maybe having a beer afterwards, opposed to just being racing and all watered the whole time. You know? That's for when you're in your 20s still and still trying to think you have a career out of it. Once you get in your 30s, you realize there's beer at the end of the day and you just want to go to a rally. So appreciate you being on the show, man. We're definitely going to do it again. I want to know more about once this is over, uh, kind of how the whole event went. So look for a good November episode with things slow down on the off-road side, right? 
Hey, bro, thank you so much, man. I totally appreciate it, Brian. Salutes. For sure. Salutes this. Heck yeah, man. Have a good night, and we'll talk with you soon, and we're going to bring on Mr. Kirk Casale. All right, Stephen. Let's close up some. Uh, we got to bring up the FaceTime, and we got to bring on the Kirk Caselli. And I think still at the same time, we're going to have on Jared Bolton a little bit later, as long as he's still ready to go and okay with it. So, of course, too, we have to say thank you, thank you very much to uh, PowerSport Graphics. They are another fantastic uh, sponsor of Seat Time. What's so great about uh, PowerSport Graphics? You go to their website, ridepg.com, and you can order. Uh, they have ready-to-ship option, which saves you 40% off of their prices. So if you go to anything, you're like, ooh, I like that. I want to pick it. Ready-to-ship option. It's going to be less customization, but it's obviously there are a lot of people out there like, man, that costs so much money. Well, sometimes it doesn't cost all that much money. You just realize you don't realize you're asking for things sometimes that takes a lot of time. And through that time, you then have to, you know pay for people's time. And that gets gets weird. Nobody wants to do that all the time. Sometimes you just need. A good way to save money. It's a great way to do it. Of course, if you want to order whatever you want to order off of the website or maybe you want to call PowerSport Graphics, you can use the discount code SEATTIME. So S-E-A-T-T-I-M-E, just like it sounds. The fun words, SEATTIME. I just love the fact that they're awesome and they keep supporting us. It is a fantastic, fantastic event. I know we got somebody in the chat room. Bart Hayes is the man. I agree. He did a lot of, it was fun too, uh, Jared Bolton, who will be on a little bit later. He did a lot of uh, work recently with Grant Baylor and uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Chris Bach. They were talking, uh, getting ready for Unadilla, all the bike prep that was going on, all that kinds of fun stuff. It's just ridiculous, man. Oh my gosh. So uh, I, I like what they do, and they do a lot of stuff with WP as well, uh, all the suspension. Um, heard rumors that they, uh, they, they might be doing some testing when it comes down to uh, when it comes down to some air shocks and forks. Uh, if anybody happens to want to have WP, then that would be one way to do it and possibly have some air and your KTM and then eventually of course you can have all kinds of other stuff with it as well so yeah that's what's gonna happen what else do I want to talk about I got all kinds of notes while we call people in like this you know Kirk Caselli could could come on he could not come on I don't know he could hate me hey Kirk Caselli yo can dude you, can you hear me I can see you and I can hear you so what I hear is that you're at Brian Deegan's house uh yeah Shoot with DVS. Nice. Well, cool. Well, of course, can't appreciate you. And I mean, I literally see you walking around. So you are taking an immense amount of time out of your schedule to come <laughs> do this with us. So we really, really appreciate that. Um, so lots, lots going on in your world. I think what's catching people um, is the fact that you won. You're the 2013 National Hair and Hound champion. You know, you got that done at the pin ultimate round. And then you announced that you're go- you're signing a contract with KTM Europe. And you're going to be doing Dakar and rallies and all this kind of crazy stuff. So, dude, that guy's face is sexy. <laughs> what the heck, man? You're just, well, hey, come on. Do, I, do we have to talk about you? Because what about you? know what no, I'm going to no. say. Yeah. We don't want to make it too <laughs> no, weird. It's been, uh, it's been good. I mean, the Heron Hound series is my third year doing it. And I kind of know, like, every single round I know what to expect. So it wasn't anything different, I guess. I just went out and rode and... You know, I missed uh, the first two rounds. I didn't get any points, so that set me back quite a bit. And then I was able to to just come back and win a few and and uh, get the championship, which was the goal. So that was nice. It was uh you know my third Heron Hound championship in a row, and and uh, it's good to kind of you know I don't want to say I'm leaving uh, the Heron Hounds for good, but I'm temporarily uh, I'm gonna take a break for sure. So it's nice to to go out on a good note, but. 
rally next year. I'm excited. I'm happy about it, and uh, I'm looking forward to Dakar. Dude, yeah, I we just got off. Uh, we had Scott uh, Broman on the show. He's kind of doing the, the him and a bunch of his team guys are doing the Baja Rally. Um, it's something that's yeah. coming up in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, he's a big fan of yours. You know, it sounds like he's talked to you quite a few times after all the uh, the uh, kind of desert racing type stuff you've done, and then of course it's since Dakar. Um, so, dude, dude, Dakar. I mean, like. You're you're gonna be a European now, pretty much, right? I mean, like, what the heck? Like, you're just totally. I mean, we get it. Like, it's it's that level though. Like, you are you are now like the you're at that stage where you're just you're gonna become a complete like you're not gonna be a North American hero anymore. There will be no, weirder no. there'll be weirder guys than me that'll be like want to like hang out with you online. That's that's not possible. Well, good, good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. So now you know what the um. Yeah, I did a lot of world enduros, and I was really um, pushing to go over there and, and do that series. And it just, you know, it never materialized. It didn't work out, and that's okay. I still had a, a lot of stuff here in the States that I wanted to accomplish. And and now with Dakar, it's, uh, you know, it's a European-based race, but I, I don't feel like the guys that are that are in the series and doing the races are, are just all Europeans. There's a lot of South Americans down there, and so... I want to be the American guy. I don't want to be a European. I don't want to be a, a South American. I want to be, you know, a guy from the USA that's able to go down and, and race at Dakar in South America and, and do well. I mean, obviously, I have a three-year contract starting this next year, so I've got some time to, to learn and, and go through the motions and really get the experience. But, you know, the biggest thing is in three years, I want to go down there uh, ready to race and ready to win Dakar and kind of have that USA following and just show, you know, the, the Dakar and the rally series that uh, there's a lot of fast guys coming from, from the U.S. that can race desert. And, and there's guys on the on the East Coast as well that are so fast and I think able to, to ride rally. And it's just getting more exposure and, and getting the U.S. kind of familiarized with what rally racing is. And, you know, I hope I can kind of pave the way and, and uh, make it easier for a lot more guys to get down there. Heck yeah. Okay, so we have our buddy Zach Huberty. Uh, he's in the chat room a couple times, and as well, he always watches the show. He He's a big tech guy. He loves to know about a lot of the specs and things that really, that, uh, that, that, that people, that riders change a lot. So from what you, from, from going earlier this year to Dakar and now knowing that you're going to be going into a three-year deal uh, with those guys, what do you think, or maybe you've done some testing, maybe you haven't, what is some of the big bike changes or big kind of setup changes that you still, you know, know that you're working on to, to really keep this, to, to, to work towards that three-year win? Well, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's so different for me because the rally bike is, it's based off of a 450, regular 450 motor, the same kind of motor, motor that we run in, in Baja, but, uh, you know, the, the rest of the chassis and the, it, it holds nine gallons of gas, so it's completely different. <laughs> it's way heavier. It feels a lot different, and and so getting down and just putting time on the bike next year is going to be, you know, for me the biggest the biggest advantage. I feel like if I can show up to the races and feel comfortable on the bike on day one, then I'll be a lot better off, obviously, in in the in the later days of the race. But you know, I haven't done much testing on the rally bike yet, and I'm kind of waiting just to uh, to get. You know, to get into it next year and, and really focus on just riding a rally bike, setting up the suspension and, and getting to where, uh, you know, I can understand what the bike's doing and I can set it up for what I what I like. Uh, when I raced a car this year, I showed up 
you know, four days before the race started. <laughs> yeah. I put, put 30 minutes, 30 minutes of just trail riding on a rally bike, and then I started the race. And uh, it was kind of a joke, you know, with all the mechanics. They said, well, you got two weeks to get used to it, so so don't worry about it. But, you know, it was fine. I, I felt good after a few days, and it wasn't a big deal. But, you know, now that I have a rally bike at home that I can practice on, uh, I'm going to wait till after the Baja 1000 and then really get on it and, and put some time on it and get a feel for just the weight of the bike, I think, is the biggest thing. And, and then I'll start from there. Yeah. Well, that's. it sounds like, uh, I mean, not that I ever discounted your ability to think through all this stuff, but it sounds like you've kind of given it some good thought and you know where your priorities are. And it's good to hear that you're kind of, you've got a plan. And I know that your plan's to kick ass. Uh, and I, I can't wait to uh, to be like, cool, Kurt, you want to be on the show? You just won uh, Dakar. What's up? You know, I think it's going to happen. <laughs> well, I uh, I hope so. You know, it's it's going to be a long ways away, and I got a lot of work to do. And and the biggest thing is just being patient and letting things happen, and and experiencing what rally is. And I and I think that uh, you can't force that. You just have to have to let it kind of do its thing. And and uh, you know, I'm I'm going to do all the rallies next year, so I'll definitely get a, a lot of experience and. And just doing Dakar, you know, that, that makes a huge difference when you come home. You really feel like you have a, you know, an advantage to guys who obviously have never done it, but even to guys that race rally but have never done Dakar. I feel like just that one race, you really, uh, you learn a lot and you get a lot of experience from it and, and you feel a lot better as soon as you're done with it. Right. Cool. Well, I mean, I, I know you're in the midst and you're taking a little bit of time from us. Two other things that we have to touch on is the fact that, one, you just got engaged, and two, yeah. you're getting ready to go off to Italy for the ISDE. So you tell me, which one would you rather talk about first? Um, The engagement. I mean, that's uh Biggest that's awesome. shit ever! <laughs> yeah. Awesome. No, it's, it's, for me, it's a huge step in, in my personal life. You know, everybody wants to talk about racing and how'd you do here and this and the bikes and all that. And, you know, I've, I've done a lot of races and done enough to know that, uh, racing is just a sport and I, I love it, but, uh, you know, it's not what my, my life revolves around. And, and so now that I have time to settle down and, and obviously get engaged and look forward to, to other milestones in, in my personal life, I'm, I'm excited about it. And obviously my fiance, Sarah, she's, uh, she's all pumped and looking forward to it. So, you know, we got a lot of, planning to do for the wedding uh in the mid mid middle of uh racing right and we can't we can't set a date yet because i don't have my race schedule for next year so <laughs> that's how that, things work ah uh, yeah and that's I, the way. cool i'm excited you know what's funny though it's like my wife and i know you know this my wife uh she she loves the fact of of how kind of goofy our, and I, I say our relationship, that's not really at all. You put up with me, to say the least. That's pretty much the way we could put it. But it's <laughs> funny, though, when I told her, when the jerseys showed up, I was like, oh, check it out. No, 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 we talked about it. I was like, oh, and Kurt's engaged. And she looks at me and she goes, does that mean we're planning a trip to California? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I was like, well, I don't think so, because if we go, I might get arrested, because then I'm technically stalking at that point. I was like, it might be weird. But it was just funny. But I know, like, it was it was pretty funny the way she just like totally. I'm so glad that my wife puts up with me, and I'm glad that she said yes. So that is my happiness. So I know that you are gonna have the same thing in that. Uh, it's it's a pretty awesome ride being married. It's something that is just pretty nuts. So congratulations on that. Um, thank you. 
And then ISDE getting ready to go to Italy. Um, you know, you've been there a couple times before, um, but I think it's it's there's you know two years ago you did extremely well being top American and winning the E two class. You know, so it, people expected a lot last year. It seemed like you were having a little bit of trouble. Charlie Mullins did fantastic. Had a really bad crash. We got a couple. We got two new guys kind of coming in that are really I think could be extremely big for the team. Yep. You know, and, and, and as well we've got guys in the junior team and kind of even on this like kind of sponsored club team that could be build-up riders for next year. So what are your thoughts going into all this? Well, you know, it's um, this year is going to be exciting for me. I, I just feel like ISDE is slowly but surely gaining momentum and exposure. And to have guys like Ryan Sipes and, and Zach Osborne, who are very well known in the moto and supercross industry, to come out and really want to race that race, it shows that, uh, you know, there is some – it's legitimate racing and it's against some of the best guys in the world at off-road. And so, you know, it's something, this will be my 11th, six days and, and, uh, you know, it's nothing new for me, but it's still exciting to have new guys on the team. I, I look forward to that more than anything. And just being able to, to talk and hang out with them while we're there. Um, you know, the, the trophy team is really good this year. I'm excited. Charlie Mullins is on there. Uh, Mike Brown, Taylor Robert, Zach Osborne, myself and Thad Duvall and so really if you think about it those are you know by far some of the top guys that we have but also it's a young breed um you know Mike's at the at the high end of that brownie he's the right. older guy but but at the same time you know a lot of us are going to be able to go for another three four five years and that's what we're looking for we need a, a younger crowd of of guys who are competitive that want to go and that are able to go for a few years just so we can really make a kind of a consistent team and camaraderie between each other. And then it's just a matter of, of finding the right location. You know, I'm not sure how Italy's going to be. I guess it's dry and sandy and, and dusty, and, and that's good for me, but it's not, you know, the greatest for the GNCC guys. So, you know, it's just a matter of time before we take the right team to the right country and we're able to win it, and I'm really looking forward to that. I hope I can be on the team. If not, just be a part of it and, and able to help. But uh, I'm looking forward to, to obviously going to Italy. It's a nice place. I love it. And and just being on the team, you know, the, the trophy guys are going to be great. And and the junior riders, we got some new guys on there, and, and they're going to be fast, you know. I think everybody's looking forward to, to seeing Caleb Russell over there, uh, along with myself. So, um if anything, just just make sure you're you're watching it online or any way that you can, because I think we're gonna have some uh, some good results this year. Oh, I know you guys are. I'm really looking forward to it. it, it the the way that some of the some of the newer guys kind of performed last year, uh, and that they're coming back this year. And like you said, we got Russell. I think it's gonna be phenomenal. I think the results are gonna be fantastic. Very much looking forward to it. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not gonna make it to Italy this year, but that's okay. You already knew that. Um, you know, we, we converse, it happens. So the last yeah. question I have, because I know it's getting dark over there. You want to go hang out with the guys and, uh, not, not be taken up by our time is actually from our own Tiffany Vardell. And she wants to say, she was, her question was, what was your first impression of Woody, me, the very first time you met or spoke with him? And after that first impression, were you afraid for your life? <laughs> well, um, I mean, I think the first time we met was at Six Days. Yeah, Germany, last year right? in Germany. Yep, last year. Like, uh, met in person, if you will. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'd talked to you, and, and I'd, you know, seen your posts on Facebook and done all that. And, you know, it's uh, 
I think it's it's one of those things where you have to see it to believe it. You know, somebody can act a little crazy online and and uh, on the phone, but when you actually meet them, then it's a whole nother level. And uh, actually, I think Woody, you contained yourself quite well. But there was one night that we had a couple drinks at the end of the race, and you got a little loose, but it wasn't bad. I uh, I never felt the need to to really uh, feel like you had to walk away. <laughs> yeah, my butt too tight and walk away. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Well, that's okay because the, and it wouldn't have happened regardless because the race you're talking about, my dad was there. So gosh, you know, I can't make an ass out of myself in front of my dad all the time. You know, I got to reel it in a little bit. Well, cool. Yeah, Again, yeah. I, I know it was short, sweet, but really, we do appreciate your time. You're a fantastic dude, awesome dirt bike racer. We love what you're doing for our sport, for our country, and all the badassery you bring to it. So please, dude, have fun in the next couple weeks. Uh, fly safe to Italy. Have fun, dude. And everyone, you're up there just being like, seat time. What up? <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show again. I appreciate doing it, and hopefully we'll talk after six days and and actually, I'm doing a Morocco uh, rally right after ISDE, so we'll talk about that when I get home, too. That is, I, I'm in, dude. Well, fly safe everywhere, because you're going sounds like you're all over the place. But have fun, and tell Sarah I said good luck. Yes, thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Later, dude. Take it easy. Take it easy. Yeah. All right, so we're closing it up with Kirk Caselli. Can't thank that guy enough. He comes on the shows. It just He's such an awesome, awesome dude, and I can't. He's just fantastic. It's so much fun. So we're going to go ahead and get Jared on. Jared Bolton, for those of you guys who don't know, is uh, he's just awesome. He's a little ginger dude um, out of the, uh, the southeast, and he does all the GNCCs. He's kind of like one of their little trail rats, and at the same time, uh, used to be involved with uh, off-road junkies, kind of with digital off-road. He was kind of all over the place, and now he's just back with himself, um, which is maybe where he is right now. I don't, I don't really know. He may just be by myself. Oh my gosh, is he not in there? Should be. I don't know. Now I'm just talking. All right. So again, I mean, if I were to say though, hey, what are you doing right now? I'm thinking about uh, fly racing. I wish I had some fly racing product right now. I'd love to give something away. Um, I actually, let's go ahead and do this. So for there's, there, we got a handful of people watching the show live right now. Um, I wanted to know. Okay, oh, I need a question. I need a question. I need a question. I need a question. So, for those people that are watching live right now. If you can tell the first person to tweet seat time, use the hashtag seat time live. Tell me what my water bottle says, if you can. And I'm going to make sure that you get some signed Kirk Caselli product. I told you it would happen during the show tonight, and here it is. This is your chance. If you would like to get. No, it doesn't say. Shut up, Eric. Here you go, right here. This is this is the only way, Eric, you're going to get any kind of free Kirk Caselli stuff. You're going to have to stop paying him for signatures. This is it right here. Oh, yeah, get on Twitter. Send me a tweet. <laughs> yes. All right, so uh, if anybody wants me to put it out there, I can. It's going to just sit here, and I want you guys to figure it out. And uh, what is that? What is that noise? I hear noise. Oh, my gosh. All right, so uh, if anybody wants me to put it out there, I can. 
Jared Bolton. Hi. Hey, why can I hear me? Turn me down. Oh, hang on. I got an idea. That This would be a good idea right there. How about that? Sexy. Hey, I do have a question for you, though. Can you, from your perspective right now, can you read what my water bottle says? Not at all. Not uh, the it was such a bad idea then. Okay. Um, there is a guy... All right, somebody, the first person to tweet me the last name of Jason with uh, Fastway for the Flex Bars, text, tweet me at SeatTime underscore CO with the hashtag SeatTime Live gets a pair of, uh, no, I'm not giving away the handlebars just yet. They get uh, some signed Kurt Caselli swag, so do that. Yeah, save the handlebars and just send those to my house. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I'm going to figure it out later and just make sure Jared gets them. Oh, uh, Hold on. We said tweet. Bam. All right. So, Bolton, you got back in town a couple hours ago. You probably had a little bit of beer. You might have uh, visited off into the bathroom. Um, hey, that's good. Yeah. Could you actually exactly. text, uh, Stephen? Let's go ahead and uh, let's get this high, high fluting. Uh, could you text my wife again and see if she might bring me another beer? <laughs> I forgot to stock up, man. It's like it's one of those things we had no technical difficulties. And everything went so smooth that I didn't know what was going on, so I forgot to go up and pee and uh, to get myself my little container of beer before. So now I'm like, we literally have to text my wife and be like, "Can you please bring Brian another beer?" Like it's it's pretty pathetic. If that is a difficulty. If she wasn't in her pajamas, I'd just have her on the dang show and talk about awesomeness. But hey, we'll <laughs> figure it out. So I do have a question for you, since I know that earlier you actually were going to the bathroom in a maybe a number two fashion. Yeah, um, it was. So this was from Tyler Schecksnilder. He's actually a Fox rep that lives here in Texas, and uh, he's a really good friend of ours. He's come to boat parties. He's come to a lot of the uh, events that we've had at the houses and uh, with seat time. We really appreciate that. His was, does the consistency of your pre-race poo give you insight as to how the race will unfold? Uh, sometimes it does. It's just, you know, you, when you're sitting there taking a really good poo, you get such good clarity. So, yeah, it does. Nice. That was breathtaking. You just yeah. you just brought the pain. It was like <laughs> mind blown. <laughs> okay, so did, I, I don't know about you, but there was a lot of back and forth online about the GNCC this past weekend. And it, it, um, it's fantastic that we, uh, honestly, we're scheduled out for the next two weeks. We have guests on for like all it, – it's great. But I was like, oh, shoot, we can't freaking – oh, need a cat, mama. Uh, we can't talk to anybody that's like – so I was like, you know what? We're getting Bolton on. He's going to be the guy yeah. that's just going to do it. So I, I know we could say it was this, that, the other, but I want you to just give me your take on the GNCC weekend. How was Unadilla? It sounds like you guys had record numbers, all kinds of crazy racing. I mean, just bam. Did you have fun? Um, I had a blast. As always, Thank I you, always – wife. I always really, really enjoy Unadilla. Uh, it kind of gives us a chance to uh, hang out and do some racing with the with the New England guys that we don't always get to see. So that's always cool. And actually, honestly, just just people watching at that place is a blast. You see things there that you don't see at any other GNCC. There's some there's some people that are just really, really out there. <laughs> nice <laughs> and. Uh, a multitude of partying and people pit riding, uh, even after you tell them to park it. 
Yeah. So <laughs> You're like, they're not parking it. They're just like, hey, look, if I turn it sideways and give it gas, it just goes in circles. Yeah, I can do donuts, man. <laughs> Hold my beer. Watch this. We actually uh, had a hot pursuit of two pit riders uh, in the woods. <laughs> they were in the woods. And I don't mean like in the edge of the woods. They were like one of the furthest points out in the woods riding. And uh, one of our guys got behind them to try and stop them. And they took off and ended up coming out of the woods. And he lost them. And then actually, I think I'm pretty sure it's the same ones that I, I found them on one of the motocross tracks. And when they saw me, they turned around and took off. So it's it's pretty awesome. They're like this little ginger guy's freaking me out. They're like I can yeah. handle a bunch of men in the woods, but this redheaded yeah. devil child, mm mm, ain't having it. So yes. It's fun to look at his face right now because he looks really lost. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. They, I'm sure they were scared. They saw me coming and were just like not scared of me, but they were actually just freaked out. Because of this. That mop top of red I'm, and fantasticness. Yeah. Okay, so, and as well, give me give me a, just so for our viewers, I don't know if we've ever talked uh, specifically about what you do for uh, Racer Productions and at, G, at the GNCCs and stuff like that. So just give us a quick rundown of your kind of weekend duties. Uh, I'm a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> literally do a little of everything um i usually show up uh typically it's thursday when i show up and uh, i go out thursday and friday and put up arrows and moose tape and all, all of that stuff and just kind of basically just kind of learn what barry has laid out in the woods and uh then saturday morning uh i, I get out there about seven o'clock usually um, and get all the, uh, we have the checkpoints in the woods, which are basically just read your transponder, make sure you're not cutting the track. There's three of those and there's myself and one other guy that, uh, sets those up. So we usually get those up. Usually all three of them are up before the, uh, youth race starts or right after. So if you have a heavy and, night of drinking, it's not Friday night. Yeah, it's, it's not definitely. Uh, <laughs> unless it's, unless it's snowshoe, then it's every night. <laughs> 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 but uh but then then from there uh just kind of personally i kind of just roam the woods and find people that are broken down or stuck or whatever and get them out of there and uh then when it comes to the afternoon race i film that for the uh for the gncc live webcast and then after that uh saturday of course pack up pack up all the electronic stuff from the checkpoints and bring that back in and then help with any changes to the track and all sorts of stuff. So then basically just repeat all of that again Sunday, except Sunday evening we bring everything from the checkpoints back in, the tents, everything. And then I go back out there and start pulling down arrows and loose tape. Basically everything I just put up a few days before I tear back down. Understandable. And do that, do that all day Monday. And that's just about it as far as at the track. And then come home on Tuesday night by 9 o'clock. Pretty much, yeah. And, and do Tuesday Toolbox and Quick Fill and all of that stuff too. Well, it, you know, the one thing I didn't hear you mention in all of that is kind of where I'm going with this is it doesn't sound like you were a flagger. 
<laughs> no, no, uh-uh. But uh, there were actually flaggers placed. Were there any flaggers? Yes, there were, because I actually brought a couple of them back. So, all right. So obviously we're, you know, it's like the, the reason why I ask all this kind of stuff is I want people to realize that Jared Bolton does a shit ton of work for Racer Productions and at all the GNCCs um, and a lot of the other like the ATV motocross races and stuff like that. Um, it, it's a job for him. It's not something that he's like sided on or jaded. And that's why I thought, one, he's funny. Two, he's going to have a good opinion on it. And he's going to be honest with us because it's, you know, and so. Um, there was a lot of banter back and forth on Monday. Jed and I, Haynes and I talked a little bit about it, uh, with, the kind of, you know, Jason Thomas, uh, being a little negative and stuff like that. If, if you follow a little bit of the Jason Thomas career on Twitter, he, he, that, that's who he is. I am not judging him. He can do whatever he wants. That is typical. Um, he, he is very abrasive in that fact and, and is not afraid to call people out on that kind of stuff on what he thinks is wrong, different, should have been done his way um so i I wanted to kind of talk to jared a little bit too because i knew he'd be honest with us in some of the regard of some of those questions of towards all that kind of stuff so we know that that jason thomas did the the way it sounded um since you're there i'm hoping you have a little bit more clarity on the situation it sounded like he went over one of the big jumps and landed on the guy and that's where we saw the pictures of his pipe from his 125 completely smashed um, his big, big complaint was that happened because there wasn't a flagger, but I'll let you say it. I kind of think I have it, but I'm going to let you kind of tell me what you guys have kind of come as a conclusion of, of the reality of that situation. Um, honestly, I, I, I still haven't been able to find out exactly what jump this happened on, but there were, uh, kind of talking through some other people, supposedly somebody saw said incident and uh, said that w- what had happened was this other rider crashed literally just seconds before Thomas hit the jump. So, I mean, a- anybody's not going to have the <laughs> have the time to uh, to react and start flagging it, you know, like, like that. That's going to happen. But uh, Jason firmly believes that there wasn't a flagger there and that's understandable i know uh you know in the heat of the moment you know if, when you have a crash right like that and you, you jump up and everything's you know your adrenaline's running you know you may look around and what you think you saw then may not be true but uh it, any jump that was unsafe like that we, we definitely had somebody there uh so uh, like i said honestly you know I know Jason won't. <laughs> he won't believe that. Yeah, you know he's he's going to stick to his opinion because that's that's who Jason is, and that that's fine. I think honestly, my, my the thing I think about Jason is you know he's very outspoken, and I think that's something really cool because we don't have too many people like that. So you know that's his his opinion is that there was no flagger there, and my opinion is even though I don't know for sure what jump it was, I, I'm sure there was a flagger there. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the course too? Uh, now another thing is like people were like, "Oh my gosh, we had so many razors. It should have been three days of raising." Blah blah blah. Now going in, I can imagine that you guys had no idea that it was going to be that many people showing up, right? Uh, well, judging judging from last year and years past, I I, I assumed there were going to be a lot of people, but there were seven hundred and fifteen riders in the morning bike race alone, which is a staggering amount on a 10 mile track and trying to cross that track on a, on a quad. Was we like, we like to call that possible. A, that's a metric shit ton. 
Yeah, pretty much. Uh, that's yeah. That was a shitload, and uh, it was like a freight train through the woods. But uh, there were, I think, there were only a little over, a little over three hundred or so in the afternoon, which is still, still a lot. But uh, but you know, we kind of knew that there would be a lot of racers, and kind of tried to prepare for that the best we could. Um, but of course, the thing about Unadilla is. At some point, you're going to have to run some motocross track backwards somewhere. There's just no way around it. Otherwise, you're going to run the same track year after year after year after year. So, uh, so that's just kind of an unfortunate part of it. But uh, so there were a few jumps that were backwards, but I know one of them. I put probably ten danger X's on it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, like I said, any of them like that, there were dangerous. There were flaggers there, so we, we try to put everything, put put forth every precaution we can. Yeah, I, I know for myself, uh, having having raced for a while and all that kinds of jazz. Uh, when I see an X, if it's on the lip of a jump, I pretty much stop, and then I ride up it like a hill, because I'm yeah. not gonna jump it. You oh, know, it's there. like if it's a downhill, I'm just like. Uh, you know a suspension yeah. but if i go off that lip it's like i don't want to I, I don't know how to do this it's, what's this air time you speak of yeah so yeah we were actually talking about the uh sky shot jumps uh we were talking about that we were talking about that when i believe friday or saturday night uh myself and tommy harris our, our main sweep rider <laughs> and i was saying i wish i had the balls to jump that thing and he did too because i, I was like Man, imagine if you jumped that thing riding sweep. Those people would flip shit. It'd be like the coolest thing ever to them. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm in. Oh, I'm checking some of the tweets here. Let's see. Uh, we got uh, Off-Road Viking talking about... Uh, we got uh, Jedediah Haynes, and then we've got Eric Kudla coming through with the bars, and we got Ben Myberg. Oh, it looks like Eric Kudla... But the good thing is, is I'm not giving him a pair of bars because I know he has enough because they literally have the Kudla connection. So I know that those guys are in on that. So he's not getting the bars because officially um, I'm not giving them away. I mean, I'm kind of kind of a douche that way. Um, but There's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. They're going on my bike, damn it. Yeah, actually, these are my bars. They're not. They're not. They're not seat time bars. If they were seat time bars, it'd be an entirely different story. But. I do hear that there could possibly be things of that kind of nature that these bars could wind up with other people later this year. So we'll talk about that. But um, and Eric doesn't want them because I touched them. That's horrible. He he knows where I've been and that's, he knows he wants that. Very nice. Yeah, he's like I've I'm not gonna tell you about that. Um, and then it comes down. So was there any? thought that with the amount of racers and all that kinds of stuff that the course was too short and all that with lap times being so short at Unadilla you know how I know that there had to be a had to have been some discussion about how do we deal with this is you know what was the kind of the thought process behind that uh it, it's basically the, the thing about uh, another thing about Unadilla is there's not a whole lot of land to work with so it's one of those things we know there's going to be a lot of people and we just kind of have to deal with it the best we can. So try to mix things up a little bit, put in some slower sections to kind of make things a little bit, <laughs> slow them down a little bit. But, you know, it, 
no, no matter what, it's going to be a freight train. Um, now, Unadilla does have a lot more property, but the issue is it's on the other side of a state highway, uh, which is actually a very busy highway. Which you can't jump over? I mean, is that the, well, that, is that, that was a legal actually, thing against that? Yeah. I, you know, Barry actually brought that up. He was talking on the phone to somebody Sunday night when we were going back to the hotel, and he said, I guess that means we either need to build a bridge or a jump. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> jump jump got my vote so <laughs> yeah make make it happen captain it's oh, not yeah. it's not like you can uh what about like some kind of uh like a tractor trailer or something like you could like build this really cool like 18 wheeler tractor trailer thing going over the highway right oh yeah that'd be cool no oh eric kudla said why didn't you guys go under it uh, I don't. We could we could build a tunnel. Yeah, you could. Yeah, that'd be cool. It sounds like you did everything else this weekend except build a tunnel. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you should have. You should have. I think that's the hey guys. It's okay. We can go under it. Yeah. Especially if you said it like that, Barry would have totally flipped out. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm just gonna start doing that next year. Next year, I'm gonna show up with a shovel on Thursday afternoon and be like, "Hey guys, I'm building a tunnel to the other side." And just start digging. Yeah, see what happens. See how far they let me get. <laughs> yeah, you know they're going to let you get pretty far because they, oh, at sure. this point, they just want to see how far you're going to go. Yeah, pretty much. So, well, um, so the next race is one in Pennsylvania. It, the, the the name is unfamiliar to me. Do you know if this is kind of a new one? The Car Mate Gusher. Yeah, uh, brand new, brand new place. Uh, there's never been any sort of off road race there. And it is sponsored by Carmate Trailers. Pretty cool. The Carmate Gusher. That, yep. that sounds like a really great night that I had like at 16 in the back of my parents' vehicle when I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing. It'd be cooler if it was an El Camino. Uh, it would be cooler, but unfortunately my parents did not have an El Camino. <laughs> <laughs> Bummer. And if they did, I'm pretty sure they still would not have let me take it out. It was probably like <laughs> some kind of Mitsubishi. Nah, I know it started with an E, but after that, I got nothing else. So uh, the rest of the season, though, we got a couple more uh, GNCCs. Caleb Russell this past weekend kicking ass. Mullins right there on his butt, straying right there with him. And then we had Johnny G's. You were talking, you get to see some of the Northeast Coast guys uh, kind of coming in. I mean, he actually did. He got sixth place. That's awesome. And he was uh, kind of up there with Mullins, if you will, for the first lap. I mean, that was really good to see those guys. What do you think about some of the racing that went on? Uh, that was probably the best XC1 race we've had in a, probably definitely all year and probably in the past couple of years. Um, those guys literally – I shot the finish for the uh, for the live feed, and uh, we – we were, we were kind of deciding what we were going to do, and all of a sudden, here, here they come around, and I wasn't really ready for it, and I'd kind of I'd come off, come out of the woods a couple of laps earlier, so I didn't realize that String had actually closed right up on the top two. So to see those guys come to the finish, literally wheel to wheel to wheel, was was so awesome. And then, of course, uh, like like you mentioned, there was Johnny G who was up there a little bit too, and uh, it was pretty cool to see him up there because at, at first. I think there were people that didn't realize <laughs> there was somebody uh, that he was that he was there. So uh, 
it was cool to see him in the in the mix too. And actually, Rory Mead rode a uh, rode a really good race too. He was actually, uh, I think he came. He was a he was a few positions back, but he actually closed up in on Caleb and Charlie for a little while too. So really good race from him as well. Yeah, um, and then of course with Andrew DeLong coming back, and then dude, we were talking about the jumps and stuff like that. There was a couple of pictures, I think maybe from Ken Hill, um, of. Uh, him of Andrew just skying out the sky shot. Uh, sky. I was like, he races in the woods. Why is there no ground in this picture? Like he was booking it, man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All those guys to watch them hit that sky shot. It, it's impressive. Like I said, that's probably the coolest jump uh, that that I've ever seen. Really, uh, I've, honestly, I the more I've thought about it, I think it's cooler than Rocco's leap to me. Um, it's not the thing about it. It's not like a super long jump, but it shoots you so high that it's just really it's it's super cool. And like I said, all those top guys are hitting it. And Delon was hitting it on a husky. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> You're like, because you don't know if it's gonna break when you land. I, I wasn't gonna say it, but that's what everybody. <laughs> that's what everybody was thinking. Oh, this is a really good thing to ask though, because. Do you have any idea what have is there any chatter behind the scenes on what's going to happen with guys like Andrew DeLong, uh, you know, being that he's on a Husky and the Husky and Husaberg and KTM? I mean, like Husky's not really a part of KTM, but they're part of KTM in the sense that the president of KTM owns Husky. <laughs> what the? Yeah, um, as far as those guys. Go. I, I haven't really heard anything solid yet, but honestly, I don't really see anything changing too much. Just judging by what's happening with with dealers, um, for the dealers, like on the Husaberg side, uh, Husaberg dealers are just becoming a Husqvarna dealers. All it's literally, literally all it is is a name change to the to the Husaberg guys. So, right. Uh, for for that side, I re- I really don't know. Hmm. Hmm. Sorry, I was enjoying some of this sweet nectar. That was a, that was, a, was that a long drink? Yeah, I should should do the same. Yep. Mm. We didn't switch to you, did we? There it is. Yeah. That's gone now. Oh, no more for you. Do you have a wife that you can text to get more? No. Uh-uh. Hmm. Do you have a mom that you can text for more? No. No, not not here. Not in my house. Not in your house. Yep. There's just the just just the man. You're like, hey, well, hey, bub. I could, I could lean forward and yell, yell at my roommate. He's actually sitting in the other room watching. I could be like, hey, give me another beer. And it, and it might show up or it might not. And probably not. He'll just sit there and laugh at me. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's live. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> what a son of a gun. Well, um, are you looking forward to anything specific in the next couple of months? I mean, it is already September. In this 2013th year. Yeah, um, honestly, that next GNCC I'm really excited for. Uh, like I said, it's it's a brand new venue. Uh, I think it's going to be something really cool. Uh, supposedly part of this is an old golf course. Ooh, so that's that could be cool. Kind of everybody's dream. Hey, look at this. Look what just showed up. Look at that but guy. Uh, is that... Oh! <laughs> Oh, how about that? If we wanted this to be a three-hour show, I'd have you drink that for the next thirty minutes. 
<laughs> you, you want me to tell you the truth about this? It is awful. It's god awful. Nobody flavored it that or nothing? This one, no. Uh-uh. I mean, I do have some flavored stuff, but this is just, that's straight up. That came from Loretta's. I've had that since Loretta's now. And that's how much you drink of it? Yeah. See, that's like one little baby sip. Man, why didn't I get any of that when I was at Loretta's this past year? I, I don't know. I don't know. I would have totally Well, flunked. I'll tell you what. Let me see if, see, it doesn't even want to open now. Oh, yeah. You're pretending. You're like, I can't open it. It's oh. so tight. I'll tell you what. Even though it's god awful, just for you guys, oh, just to smell it, like almost turns my stomach. But there you go. It's still horrible. Still horrible. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's the way we like you can to taste end. The corn. You can taste the corn. You can taste the corn. Fantastic. Well, I'm gonna have to learn how to make moonshine, and that way I can have my own on the show. Okay. Yeah, you really should. Uh, Steven was with me uh, the last time I had Moonshine. And he doesn't ever want to be there again. Which is completely understandable. Okay, well, so... Oh, somebody was telling you to be careful, by the way. In the chat room. Okay. (laughs) Done. You got it. This is me being careful. Check. (laughs) I love it. All right, dude. Well, um, I can't thank you enough for getting on the show so last minute. I know we were talking on Twitter, and it was funny and stuff, and I was like, you know what? It would be great if we could do that, and I just didn't think it would work out timing-wise. So I'm glad that you were still up uh, having a couple beers and uh, ready to chat, man. I love that. And you didn't get kicked, oh, yeah. you didn't get kicked out anywhere? You didn't have to go to yeah, a Starbucks yeah, for Wi-Fi? Yeah, our own house this time. It kind of blows my mind because I think every other time you've either been at a Starbucks or at your parents' house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, now that you um, have like three jobs. One, one thing on that uh, that PA race was there were a lot of rumors this, this weekend going around that um, we weren't actually going there. Like it was going to be moved to a different track. But those are completely false. And as of right now, we are still continuing on going to the uh, Foxburg, Pennsylvania venue. Are you reading your text message? Did you just get that from your boss? No, I, I just I, I wanted to clear the air on that because I did hear a lot of uh, a lot of rumors, and I don't know I don't know how those got out, but there there were a few issues, but they they've all been worked out now. Cool. Well, all right. Well, then in two weeks we look forward to having you back on and talking about some more GNCC racing. What do you think? Oh yeah, I'm always down. All right. Well, where can people find you on the internet? Lots of places. If you Google Jared Bolton, I mean, just make sure yeah, you have make sure you it. have safe safe search on. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, you might you might want to do that because you don't want to get into some of my male modeling stuff from a couple of years ago. It's back when scary. things got tight, and I don't mean his back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, just uh, I, I keep it simple. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are both just at Jared Bolton. And then there's jaredbolton.com where I post uh, really cool dumb stuff. Like today I posted how you can download iOS 7. <laughs> yeah, by, wait, so by waiting till September 18th. Well, yeah, exactly. That's, exactly. It, that's what you said, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. 
Did I just ruin it? Did I just like take away a bunch of clicks? Probably so, but I don't. I don't care. It's already uh, got quite a few hits. I'm just surprised there's no comments with like people telling me to f off and stuff like that. So I'm waiting for those. Nah, man. Everybody loves you, and they love a good iOS seven download update. So yeah, today's the day to love it. Well, cool. Well, thanks again for jumping on the show. For those of you who do not understand, you're like, oh, Jared, where are you on the internet? We're like, don't worry. Seat Time's on the internet, too. You can find us at seattime.co. Yeah. is the website where we have all of our archives and all the fun shows, stuff like this that we're going to post. Of course, uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash seattime. Uh, easiest way to get us there if you like to you know, book our face really hard. That's one way. And maybe if you want to tweet us real hard on Twitter, twitter.com slash seattime underscore co of course if you're just in twitter it's at c time underscore co to find us there or send us tweets of good fun that's a good underscore don't you think jared underscore co i think he's just ignoring me at this point oh yeah 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 you gotta you gotta you can't forget that part yeah for sure it just freaks people out and um if you yeah. guys are instagrammers and want to tag us in pictures of awesome uh please remember it's at seat time on instagram all that kind of fun stuff uh, we got all the stuff on Big Big Cartel, um, Fly Racing, of course, Ride PG, and uh, from what I hear, soon to be uh, Fastway. We're going to do some uh, stuff with the guys that make these awesome flex bars. Can't wait to put them on my bike. Uh, can't wait to uh, see how long it takes me to crash and hit my head on this, uh, this bar pad here. <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting. But cool. Uh, episode 98. So, Jared, in two weeks, it's going to be episode 100. I think at this point, I want you on episode 100. That's it. You and some moonshine. I am more than down to do a uh, 100th episode reunion tour. <laughs> I'm down. Oh, I'm an idiot. So we're going to get Bolt on on. We're going to have Sorry, episode 102 weeks. We're going to have uh, episode 99 next week. Of course, as always, Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. is where you can find us, seatime.co slash live. That's where it all happens. And uh, bam, we make shit happen. Thanks, everybody, for paying attention. Remember, if nothing else, always enjoy a pint full of awesome. This is Seat Time, the online show for the off-road enthusiasts. Peace.